Wall Street and biotechnology companies have been very excited about this idea. And what essentially it is, is trying to hack the cells in the body in order to make them into drug factories. Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Saturday, May 6th, 2023. Thank you for joining me today. Man, I have a really good show planned today. A lot of really important topics to cover. A lot of it focused around vaccination, injections, if we're talking about the COVID-19 or maybe all of them for all we know, injection. But we have a really important follow-up on some of these topics. We're going to go through, as always, kind of an overarching connection to a lot of these things as well. Mod RNA is something I've brought up many times. Only once it seems I've done an actual focus on it on the show. But I brought it up many, many times. And, only, and I was always kind of baffled why that wasn't addressed. And only recently, from you know some reasonable like corporate straddling independent type people, has this been pointed at. It's just this interesting controlled flow of information. Now, I want to go back over it again to show you why it is very interesting and alarming and how clearly they not only, you know, they willfully deceive people about what that was. Mod RNA is not mRNA. Messenger RNA, that's what it stands for. That is something that occurs naturally. Mod RNA, which I'll show you, is not only not the same thing, it has its own complications, its own problems. And I think it's very interesting once we go over a few other points, I'll kind of tie together one that connects to Charles Lieber, all sorts of interesting things. And we're going to go over some very concerning developments in the scientific literature, which only continues to add up to what we've been showing you. Neurological problems. Also, uh, what was the one term here we're going to talk about that I think is really interesting? Retinal, retinal vascular occlusion, I believe is how it's pronounced. We talked about this retinal discussion. The, the I'll get into it. The, the Libra overlap. And I thought that was interesting. I'll make a point in that in general, but undeniable peer-reviewed science that's finding that these things are hurting people, that in a large way, in both very serious, potentially deadly concepts, or just very serious injuries that last the rest of your life, that in and levels that we can't dismiss. It, it's always been this way. That's the crazy part. And we're and still it's being dismissed. People are still turning their eyes away, ignoring the overwhelmingly obvious highest excess death since World War II in some places and in the UK and just going, oh, well, we don't even want to talk about it because we don't want it because it's not the vaccine. Therefore, it doesn't matter is the message. Essentially, they're saying without saying it. We'll also talk about some other interesting overlaps with microplastics and mass and how it ties back to the same conversation, the bacterial pneumonia overlap. That we now find out was, oh, a huge, almost predominant portion of, co- oh, we're just like 1918. So was it even there? Was it always pneumonia? Was it caused by the mask? Well, there's yes to all of those things. But the question is whether it was all of it, some of it, the majority, none of it, you know, the way that we break this down. But it's interesting to see that the very things and every possible angle they were giving you to say, stay healthy, keep yourself safe. Every single one of them did the opposite. Now, how can that be an accident? Now, we're also going to talk about the HPV vaccine for a minute. We're going to talk about the new and approved, not new and improved, new and approved RSV vaccine for over 60. 
That's not how that's supposed to right? Although, isn't that a child disease? Oh, okay, now it's a new thing for elderly people. Totally not the injections we gave them that we're just calling it. You know, there's a lot of ways to look at this, but it's unreal how this is going forward. A little small part on, uh, you'll see why it overlaps to a degree, a climate change point, an artificial intelligence point, and ending with a couple of interesting things we'll talk about. But make sure you... I want, I really hope people out there will begin as we have been doing in a lot of the ways Brock does it. We do it on the sub stack, but try to break these things out and get these in front of people. These little, the, the, the segments of different parts of it, the mod RNA part, the climate change part, or anything you think is important. You have my permission to clip this up and share it and put it, you know, this it's important to get the information out there, but as long as you put the source material with it, that is the only way this makes sense. So people don't just take what I'm saying at face value, even if they can see it on the screen. Because I could alter that. Anybody could change anything online these days. So you have the source material you can look at and still question it. But as long as you have something you can show so people can think for themselves and develop their own opinions and, and articulate it in a way that shows they understand it. Not just that they're regurgitating what Tucker said or regurgitating what Joe Rogan said or regurgitating what anybody said, including myself. Very, very important. So let's start today with a couple of points on censorship that I think are interesting. Now, this just happened. Now, I'm already hearing from people that now it looks like they all suddenly started working when the video started. So I'm not even sure if this is some sort of suppression or what this might actually be. But there's a lot of building conversation right now about Rumble and, you know, the, the people arguing that based on what they can see, reasonably high level people. I'm not going to get into it yet today because I want to flesh it out more and, and study what they've been saying. I don't want to just regurgitate what somebody said without knowing the background. But nonetheless, a lot of people. And again, some people are reasonably high level arguing that these numbers seem wildly artificial. You know, like, how oh, I can have a video that's almost at a million views, but apparently have made 62 cents from it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, right? And there's, ad, there's ads playing every 10 seconds on that video. So they, they, as much as they want to tell me that it's, see, yeah, it bothers me. I'm sure I've talked to them. They've disregarded me in the chat after I pointed out that what they said wasn't true. And they weirdly never followed up. So I've got my opinions about this. I've made it clear. I've also engaged with them, as I said, and, and, the example was when I showed an image of, I think it was something happening in Yemen or Palestine, I forget. And it wasn't wildly graphic, but it was a little graphic. And they censored the video. They, they demonetized it. It was suppressed. And I reached, I said, what's going on here? That's crazy. And they said, oh, it's graphic. I said, okay, explain why these other three videos on CNN, Fox News, whatever the channels were, all mainstream, are currently using the same image on Rumble. And they're not censored or demonetized. No response ever, by the way. That's odd. And you, many other times. Anyway, the point here is... People are pointing out a lot that these might be manipulated. For instance, we have our pirate stream channels that almost every show has gotten, you know, 60, 70, 100,000 views, which even that seems like that's, that's a new show. So, but hey, it's fantastic, right? And then suddenly the next two in a row got like three, 4,000. The next one's already way past that. That's, nothing doesn't add up. Same amount of engagement, comments, likes, upvotes, but yet the numbers change. So something's off monetization all of that now on this point somebody showed me when you try to first of all for some reason back here i don't know what this is i'm now seeing two of these videos showing up simultaneously and the reason i say i look is because this is what everybody was seeing when they clicked the link today now why is that that's never happened before now even if that's a if it's a glitch it's glitches happen but it's interesting that you try to share this out and, and at the moment when most everybody's going oh what's this what is let's check it out oh it's private i'm not coming back so at the very least, if you want if you want to ask whether it's suppression, it's a pretty interesting tactic because it almost guarantee that you won't get a lot of people that will come save it or go forward or whatever. But it could certainly be a glitch. But that's pretty strange. Now I wondered whether it was the toe tag image that's on here, but that's that's just an image of a foot. Let's be honest: is, is death censorable? We all know it happens. Your governments are the biggest leaders of it. Interesting, nonetheless. But here, I, I I'm not sure what's going on here. 
So I have to follow up on this, why there's two of these. Now, that's not on my end. It's the same link. You click on it, it goes to the same video. So there's some kind of weird background issue here. And I believe on the homepage, let me check that. I believe it only shows one. So yeah, there's definitely something odd going on there. But in any case, other parts of it, which I just shared on uh, the pirate stream episode we just did, which I hope you check out. We had a great conversation. Google in our uh, uh, last pirate channel, which by the way, I just got a few more. And on that note, by the way, anybody out there who wants to continue to support the T-Lab pirate streams, both on pirate stream media and the last American vagabond, reach out, reach out in, in, in the subject line, put YouTube pirate stream or T-Lab pirate stream, something pirate stream. And let me know if you want to be part of our T-Lab pirate stream team. Doom in the chat is helping me do that as well. Let him know because we're trying to catalog a lot of these because it's amazing how many we've got, how many have gotten censored since then. Some of them without even with just one strike, just deleting the channel. They clearly know what we're doing and they don't like it. We go through like three or four security checks these days just to get this working. In this case, what I'm showing you is somebody who gave me all the credentials. I'm using private window, VPN, the whole damn thing. And for some strange reason, He's able to log into his account with the same stuff. But for my end, this is, oh, we're sorry, but you don't have access to this. Well, but I do, though. I have the password. I've got the email. I've got all the login, all the information. So what's going on? Well, I think we know what's going on. Something. I don't know how they figured this out, but just this channel. The rest of them are working. So it's not just a YouTube thing, right? Anyway, my point is they're getting more and more aware of how this works. And they're trying to stop people like us, Corbett, Grand Theft World, from doing the same thing. Because remember, T-Lab Pirate Streams is where this began. I just came up with this idea because I wanted to circumvent the censorship. And I thought it was, you know, maybe it would fall flat. Maybe people would think I was being invasive and it just blew up. I've had hundreds of people reach out and give me their logins and use this. And I switch them up constantly. And then Corbett started doing it as well. We did a whole chan- a whole discussion on that. I think Grand Theft World interview about it. And I believe they're doing it too. So fantastic. More and more people should do this, especially if you're out there being censored. But my point is the technocratic censorship is increasing. Like, okay, somebody says your IP, right? But now, I'm not an expert on this, but if I'm using a private browser and a VPN, I'm pretty sure that circum- that doesn't that change the IP, right? I mean, I don't know. I just, it's very, anyway, I don't want to take too long on this, belabor the point. But I did want to point out in the beginning that that stuff seems to be happening. And just keep an eye out for this, guys. Very interesting. Now, one other point I want to make, just I'm not going to get into foreign policy today, just to show you how perception is everything, it seems today, right? That they will, the, the government, all of them, left, right, everything, of the, the, the reality of all of them will lie to you in very interesting ways that make you think what they want you to think, right? So in this case, I, th- this is Ron DeSantis. Now, Chief Nerd responds to this. First of all, Ron DeSantis says, Florida will not allow the CCP. Okay, so the Chinese Communist Party, or rather the Chinese party that was the, anyway, I believe it's the CPC, which is what it's, just the U.S. calls it the CCP to purchase farmland or land near our critical infrastructure. You know, Bill Gates is okay, but no, we can't allow the Chinese government. Okay, well, the first question is, is that what's happening? I agree with that. If the Chinese government is buying property, well, not only are there adversaries, I don't think any government should be buying foreign land as the government. That doesn't make any sense to me, right? But it turns out that's not actually what we're talking about unless there's some bigger story that I'm missing. What we're talking about, and I'll show you the actual discussion, is Chinese citizens, which apparently includes Chinese citizens that live in this country. So isn't that ridiculous when you really understand the full picture? But when it gets framed as the CCP can't be doing that, well, all these China folks, all these, you know, the right leaning out there is going to go, oh, no, we can't allow China to do that. Well, that's not what's actually happening. And that's how they manipulate people. 
as Chief Nerd says, a foreign adversary should not be allowed to purchase any land. I agree with that. But is that what's happening? Florida bill banning Chinese citizens from buying land passes. Now, you can read this for yourself. Prohibits Chinese citizens from purchasing or acquiring real property. Okay, so explain what I'm missing here. Right? I mean, the idea is that we, so if you're now, so if you're Chinese, now suddenly you're part of the Chinese government? Well, possibly. Does that apply to any other governments we deal with? How about the Israeli government? Oh, we don't care about that. Despite the wildly, overwhelmingly influential, in, in all encompassing every, I mean, by the Whitney Webb, by the way, is almost done with the article about an, it's an interesting overlap with just that point. My point, though, is that it's almost as if now the whole point, it's bigotry, essentially. Now, if you just like during the World War II discussion, Japan, anybody Japanese is a problem. I can't believe we still act like this makes sense. Can't we see that we're being divided based on illusion constantly, two-party illusion, every type? One side hates Russia, the other hates China, and the point is they're all doing this to yourself. And interestingly enough, we should ask whether those are even the real parties trying to influence this country, or whether there's other things going on, whether it's the British Empire, as Matt just wrote about, or whether we're specifically talking about an international entity, and all of that is a bunch of illusion. Either way, I just thought that was interesting. Guys, perception. Ask questions. Don't fall into the two-party paradigm illusion. I'm not saying by any means that the Chinese government should be allowed to do any of this or that they can't be Chinese citizens. They're, in fact, working on behalf of the Chinese government. Of course that's possible. But to just blanket statement, say that all Chinese people, under the guise that it's only that they're all part of the government, and you see where this goes. This is crazy. But this is being promoted. Now, keeping that in mind, not the DeSantis left-right paradigm part, but the idea about how the narrative is seemingly championed today over facts and everything else, whether mass or vaccines or East Palestine, for example, where we can literally know by peer-reviewed science, by what now seven or eight independent researchers and A&M Texas, or Texas A&M University, you know, just nothing to sneeze at, come out and go, oh, we find all sorts of dioxins. We find wildly high levels of all corns. And then you've got the EPA and they go, you're fine. There's nothing there. You're lying. Or don't no, say you're lying, but by default saying that, without saying it and all we have is is the is the u.s government saying you're wrong well where else have we heard that before how about 9-11 or we just i could go off on a hundred different examples so my point and this is just one point because i'm not going to focus on east palestine today but we better not let this fall out of the news cycle because this is crazy to me if you haven't seen my last coverage on this it is just un it's baffling in the real sense of the word these people are getting lesions on their faces they are having rashes they are vomiting we are three months out i mean think about that and they are still getting sick half the cdc team shows up and gets all the same symptoms and they pass it off as as fatigue i mean i just don't know if anybody believes this including them so now on may 4th jessica connard points out i have my she has had her well tested twice by norfolk southern both times they've been told the water's safe for consumption. This is her water in her bathtub as she fills it for her children. They paid nearly $5,000 to get the filter that was recommended by Norfolk Southern. Oh, but they didn't pay for it. Isn't that what we're being told that they're doing all of this? Shouldn't it be their obligation to get that filter for her? Nope. But they'll tell you that. They're lying about it. The Norfolk Southern Assistance Center refused to reimburse her today. Yeah. Because they're lying to you guys. Shocking, I know. 
This is what it were. This is the, her water from the tap. She showed Norfolk Southern rep at the assistance center, those photos, as well as the supervisor and police officer who escorted her out of the building. Because they care, right? I mean, God, it just makes my, it literally makes me flush. Right? I mean, this is just too much, guys. But be careful because they do, don't let them drive you to a place of emotional reaction. Right? Because they want you to act violently. Because they know that we see them. They know it. We need to push back in a way that we do not get, they can't use to justify more action. But this is everywhere. It's not even just East Palestine, but we need to be aware that they don't care about you. Her son, and this this is her, by the way, her son is currently on four medications right now for his eyes for unknown irritant. That is actually happening right now. Unknown irritant. We can't define this. We don't know what's happening. But alternatively, or simultaneously, we've got multiple people being diagnosed with bacteria or a bronchitol. Or what was it? It was a, a, a bronchitol or something. It was poison, poison-induced bronchitis, the way they frame that. These are being diagnosed by doctors. Multiple people now have tested positive for vinyl chloride in their urine. Scott Smith just found nine different not dioxins that are different than the control in a different area in the same town. But yeah, we're all crazy, right? Conspiracy theory, and it's all over, right? Just say those words and we all look away. Apparently, not you guys, obviously, the minority they pretend is the majority today. But this is her rash after she takes a shower. But she's crazy and wrong, right? Just like the vaccine. In any case, if you want to read more about my recent coverage of how crazy this is and obvious, there's the tag for you. But on the note of the other conversation that's equally ridiculous and obvious is the COVID-19 injection and how it's killing people in real time. And nobody seems to care in the corporate media, the government, you know, the people that are supposed to fight for you, we're told. Daily Mail writes, uh, this is on the 5th of April last month, startling new figures show even more Australians are dying than first feared. Oh, excuse me, I said the UK, it's actually Australia. After a report found excess deaths, which are weirdly gigantic, are just skyrocketing in perfect correlation with every location that has a high vaccination rate, but don't look at that, are the highest since World War II. People don't want to talk about it, that's a quote. Why would you not want to talk about it? The only reason you would not want to talk about it is because there's something there you don't want to address. Like, I really keep saying this over and over, but I am actually, I'm just blown away by how obvious all of this is. Are we really this easy? Like, it's, I I mean, I don't even know where to go from there. Like, how can, what is the next step here? I feel like they they are dangling everything right here at the edge. So we just lash out at some point. I mean, it's, I, I would even understand that. I do not want that. I don't condone that. But I understand why people get driven to going, you know what? We don't have any power to do anything unless we act out because clearly they don't care what we know or see. But don't take the bait because this, in my opinion, is an effort like basically just letting it continue with the whole like right MAGA trap conversation. I think they want people like in that's one example of a larger picture to react so they can justify it, even though they know you see it. Because it, it, once they have a violent act, it can bury everything. They can hype the news for a week and act like you're the bad guy, right? It's because they're, a, I genuinely think, because they're at some level, people are afraid. They know we see it everywhere around the world. Think about how powerful that is. Now, uh, Restef Levy, who we've talked about before, 
he write, he writes in his Twitter post, devastating nature article for mRNA vaccines. And he's right. It may not feel that way from the title, but you read through this and it's, it's just, especially on top of all the other peer-reviewed science, which I'm not saying you should blindly follow. I've never said that. But there's two ways to look at this, right? Before the COVID discussion, it was the same point that I made before. It's the body of work, right? So you look at the science and there's going to be articles that say this or not different. They're going to argue that they're going to disagree because there's always been political motivation and other things driving people that aren't scientific interest in scientific studies. There's been articles written about it from 10, 20, 30 years. Everybody has seen that. So the point was the scientific method. That's how that works. You look at all of it, you weigh it all, and you come to your conclusions based on the body of evidence. And usually there's a slant to it, right? Most of them lean this way or so on. Right. So that's how you look at it. Even now with all of their garbage, you look at all. And guess what? The vast majority of peer reviewed science is showing you what we're talking about. Yet they don't talk about it. The same people screaming, trust the science are weirdly ignoring almost all the science. And that's it's just very, very clear. Now, the other side of it, though, is realize that there's obvious ways that scientific research can be manipulated. So you obviously look at it. You realize there are political associations and, and motivations, just like we see even more today, and come to your conclusions based on that. And it's the same point, that the peer-reviewed science across the board seems to be very clearly pointing in one direction with a few deviations, which is just, just that alone should be enough. But it says prolonged, increased risk of retinal vascular occlusions can cause blindness in all ages. Two-year risk is doubled with one additional case for every 300 and 1,000 vaccinated. How long will we ignore these safety signals? Here's the study itself. May, May 2nd, 2023. Risk assessment of retinovascular occlusion after COVID injection. We aim to investigate the risk of retinovascular occlusion after COVID vaccination. We excluded individuals with a history of retinovascular occlusion or those who used any systemic medication that could potentially affect blood coagulation prior to vaccination. You'll, you rarely see that kind of, you know, what's the right word? Objectivity. Like the point is they're making sure there's no way you can, can go, oh, well, that's people had it before or that because of this thing they took. When you find these other, the, the studies in my experience so far that are arguing safe and effective, you'll find all sorts of ways they skip over things like that and conflate certain things and, you know, observational this and, you know, including things that shouldn't be there. Well, when you take mass and, and hand washing and all of it together, mass work perfectly. It's like, well, wait a minute. Why don't you just look at mass alone? Because we don't need to. Yeah, because when you do, it shows you that masks are killing people. And that's not, that's not hyperbole, but we'll come back to that. Individuals with COVID-19 vaccination had a higher risk of all forms of retinal vascular occlusion in two years after vaccination. Individuals who had COVID injections had a higher risk of every single form of retinal vascular occlusion. First of all, there's no misunderstanding that. This is that, but that then is in two years. So for two years forward, they're still seeing a higher risk with an overall hazard ratio of 2.19 significantly higher in the vaccinated cohort compared to the unvaccinated cohort. Isn't it amazing how all of corporate media seems to be missing this? Left, right, up, and down? Wild, isn't it? Two years and 12 weeks after vaccination. Significantly higher. I've often pointed out, they do not use those words lightly. Significantly higher is important. The risk of retinal vascular occlusion significantly increased during the first two weeks after vaccination. Oh, that time when they pretend it doesn't count. How perfect. And persisted for 12 weeks. 
Additionally, individuals with the with first and second doses of B T B N T one six two B two and mRNA one seven one one two seven three, both of which we'll get into specifically today in different ways, had significantly increased risk of retinal vascular occlusion two years following vaccination. So you have a significantly increased risk for two years. And then it says, well, no disparity was detected between brand and dose of vaccines. Isn't that interesting? So they all seem to equally cause this risk. Which kind of makes you wonder whether or not this is, you know, the whole, even the mRNA part of it. Like, all oh, this was just to get this in your body in some way. The, a retinal vascular occlusion may not be a coincidental finding after COVID vaccination. I mean, see, this, that drives me crazy, by the way. Now, is that like a last-ditch attempt to like maybe still get funding? Like, can we really have a better final conclusion to the obvious peer-reviewed reality? Significantly more in every possible way, and maybe that's not a coincidence. <laughs> it's like, come on, guys, just name it what it is, for crying out loud. But, you know, science is its a dangerous field today. But retinal vascular occlusion is a common cause of visual impairment caused by a blockage in the, art, in the ar- uh, ar- arteral or vein. Interesting. I just found that very interesting for two different ways you could look at it. I mean, we're talking about retinal common visual impairment on one side of it, but also the the idea of a blockage, which you could argue is already overlap with what we're seeing with these injections. But which, by the way, is the likely logical place to put that. But as we do on this show, let's ask questions, right? Let's consider other possibilities not to assume into them and assume those are the case, but just ask, is it likely? As I just said, to me right now, this one's overlapping this with, let's say, the spike protein blockages, blood clots. That makes sense, right? But here's another topic to consider. We just talked about this. And this is getting into the idea of maybe what's actually behind these things other than keeping people safe and whatever nonsense we're being sold. And then we're going to overlap this with what Arna Burkhart is finding. And I'll, I'll talk, by the way, of coming up soon, an interview that Taylor's going to be putting out, which has already been recorded. And I'll get into that with Arna Burkhart about this exact topic of the injections and ingredients and so on. But Charles Lieber connection. If you have not seen this episode, I recommend you check this out from nanotechnology to COVID-19 to technocracy. I've been talking about Charles Lieber and his connection since the beginning of this. I just can't seem to put this down. And every day it seems to get more and more obvious that there's something going on that goes much bigger than fighting some kind of virus or fight or MRNA platforms that it really gets into get technological nanotechnology advancements and maybe testing them on the whole population or maybe trying to achieve something with that technology. I don't really know. But this is interesting. Now, I'm going to play a clip that I want to talk about. It's just a six-minute clip of the show that we just did. By the way, I I always wish that I'm much better at grabbing these old shows like Corbett does. I'm so bad at finding them and tagging them. But I was lucky. These weren't that old, so I did find this clip that I wanted to share with you. And then I'll make a couple points about this. Now, this is just the clip we talk about about the overlap and the point that I make in this that stands out to me that I find relevant to this concept. So let's watch this. First 2023, Charles Lieber. And just to be clear again, what you're listening to is the show I did with uh, this episode that I just put out on May 1st, 2023, for those on the podcast. By the way, here's the, he's supposed to seem crazier. So right now he's even like, he just got charged so he's guilty, even though they just said, ah, time served, Charles Lieber, for working with the Chinese government in ways the gov- U.S. didn't know about. And what's he been doing the entire time without question and continuing the work? Working with the Chinese right now. How do you make sense of that without th- realizing that the whole thing we were spun about what happened with him, we're being lied to. There's no, or, or at the very least, there's... 
part of the story that we're be, this being withheld because none of that makes any sense. Sort of how you could point out that Trump and the Trump administration were screaming, China, Wuhan flu, they didn't let us know. And then you can prove that Operation Warp Speed absolutely took at face value a genetic sequence from China to be the basis of all of the injections. And they, they then admitted that at that time they hadn't isolated it. I still argue nobody has. Now, on that point, just since I brought this up recently and I w- didn't have this link to share for, for you know, our new and growing audience, which, by the way, on an interesting note that I always seem to point out, I find it odd that as our audience grows on our v- video platforms exponentially, seemingly constantly, it's odd how our engagement on the website continues to go down. Now, you could argue that's because your website sucks, whatever. That's certainly possible. But that's not what I hear from the audience. I just, I, I, there's, there is obvious action being taken in different ways. And I think the website thing is another, it's more important for them, for you not to be going to our individual websites. They want you filtering through the platforms. That's my opinion. So if you're out there listening, make sure you go to the lastamericanvagabond.com. Now I'm going to make a couple points today about why there's so, uh, such a wealth of knowledge there. And it's not just to promote the T-Lab website, but from all the writers and people we work with, it's an amazing body of work that goes back a decade. There's so any topic you can think of, we've probably talked about and covered. But the point is that we've talked about this. And I want people to see this link specifically for maybe the new people that have not heard us talk about it before. So I mentioned the concept. Which, by the way, this is now censored. Moderna removed this page. It's no longer on their website. That's why it's on the way back machine. And also, which I often point out that I find almost laughably ridiculous, is their own video about mRNA-1273 talking about the, the injection and how you make it. And what it does is literally censored on YouTube. Let me just grab the link. And this is what's so silly about it is how does that even make sense? So YouTube has their video. It's, it's, it literally says violating terms of service. Now, if that was a mistake, don't you think they would correct that? Don't you think Moderna would say, hey, you, you made a mistake? It, you know, I know we're talking about vaccines, but we're talking about the good. Co- oh, OK. <laughs> Showing you they just censor arbitrarily based on conversation. But either way, I think it's because there's something in that video which you played before that kind of they don't want you thinking about, my opinion. But let the, the main point here is this discussion. January 11th, 2020, I've pointed this out many times. Chinese authorities shared the genetic sequence of the novel coronavirus. Two days later, two days, Moderna had already finalized mRNA-1273. So from January 13th to this moment, they have used the sequence that China sent before they had, again, my point is I don't think they've ever isolated this using Koch's postulates, purification, isolation, in my opinion, hasn't happened. Despite people claiming otherwise, when you dive into the research, you can show that they did not meet Koch's postulates. Now, you can argue that that's archaic and old, blah, blah, blah. But as far as I can tell, that's still considered the gold standard. So I don't know why we debate these things. If they haven't met that, you can't just go, oh, pshaw, that doesn't count anymore. Well, that's stupid. Either way, that's not the point today. But two days later, so ask yourself how it makes sense to go forward acting like China didn't let us know, but we're going to blindly take that at face value. Here's the CDC telling you that they... Did not isolate it when isolate that at the time they sent it. And why has the data not been shared? No, they didn't isolate as a virus. That's the issue. Okay. They said that. Now people argue, oh, okay, well, they, but they went on to. Fine. Even if you agree with that, I think you're wrong. The point is, explain for me how then they ever needed it isolated. Right? So on J- January 13th, you could prove they didn't have it isolated. So 
if they've never turned back from that genetic sequence, did they ever need it? No, they didn't. All they needed was a genetic sequence. So recognize what that shows you. That was always the platform, mRNA platform concept. So February 7th, they already had first batch. February, by February 24th, they were already injecting it in people, and you could still prove they hadn't isolated at that point. So they were already injecting people with something they've never seen other than on a computer screen from, they didn't let us know China. Is that So is that what tr- makes sense? When Trump is screaming, they didn't let us know, but Operation Warp Speed that Trump created and he's driving uses that? It's just so obviously broken. There's something bigger happening here. Now back to the video. The point is that they admitted that they hadn't when they gave them that. And yet in two days after they gave it to him, MRA, MRNA-1273 became the injection that they still give today. But the bad guy China, though, we, they didn't let us know, but we'll blindly trust your genetic sequence. Don't buy it. The two-party paradigm is making people stupid. This is crazy. And this is right back to, so this comes full circle, really. You've got Charles Lieber being the beginning foundational discussion for what became a lot of different things, including the injection. Now you've got him using this to basically fulfill the next step of the brain-machine interface with Elon Musk and all of this. It says, understanding complex neuronal networks requires monitoring long-term neuronal activity in various regions of the brain. Now ask yourself whether this could be something that they're currently doing. So if they were trying to achieve that end, how could they do that in a mass scale? Possibly this way. Significant progress has been made in multi-site implantations of well-designed probes, such as multi-site implantation of psi-based and polymer-based probes. Here, we report a long, single, flexible probe that can be implanted by stitching into multiple regions of the mouse brain or human brain and subsequently transmit chronically stable neuronal signals from the multiple sites via a single low mass interface. This is a 2023 study that Charles Lieber is leading, talking about the brain-machine interface overlap, but also injectable mesh to transmit neuronal signals, so brain activity. The, The timing I find very revealing. Well, here's a study from 2015. Injectable meshes for neural recordings. So it says, neural activity is often recorded with rigid electrode arrays that are implanted via surgical openings in the skull. That's kind of what we're talking about, right? The, the surgical implantation of the, the fibers and whatever he was talking about, right? But in this case, it says, the inflexible nature of such electrodes can require compromises in their positioning and may lead to shifts in their location during long-term recordings. To overcome these issues, ideal recording electrodes would be flexible and integrate into the tissue. Hey, look at that. Charles Lieber and his team at Harvard University have developed flexible meshes that can be injected into biomaterials and tissues and that contain electronics suitable for recording neural activity or other applications. And let's not forget that the introduction of Omicron, which was discovered in Botswana, but the narrative seems to argue with South Africa, despite us just proving that again for the third time the other day that it was discovered and Botswana admitted that. And now they're refusing and have to this day to tell us who those diplomats were, where they came from, which makes no sense, was discovered by a Harvard lab that was set up in Botswana by the DOD. I think a month and a half before that was discovered. Don't forget those obvious facts. That's interesting. So if Charles Lieber had done this in a way to be injected via, via syringe, you can see it right there. That would be able to record now argument what they're talking about is neural activity but just wait it gets more interesting but the point is that even that if all you want to do is monitor how our bodies are reacting in real time well that would be one way to do that 
<clears throat> now it says, according to Lieber, the idea of flexible injectable electronics has evolved over several years and builds on tissue engineering work in his lab. He had become increasingly disillusioned with chip-based work and, has, and was looking for less invasive ways to interface with tissues. That ultimately what we're talking about in 2023 is a syringe-based mesh injectable in order to map and surveil and, and do and research. All the way in 2015, they were already talking about this. He had become increasingly disillusioned with the chip idea, saying this re required reducing overall feature sizes and increasing flexibility and making the connectivity look more and more like something that is natural. That was 2015. Right now, the 2023 version. Remember in 2011, which I think I mentioned here, he's working on the virus sized transistors, literally the size of a virus, a nanobot, the size of a virus that he says in that study that if it acts like biology, you can't tell the difference. Or if it's that small when at put into nature, you can't tell the difference between that and biology or natural. That's the same research, guys. It's like, I just I don't understand why we can't ask whether that might literally be what we're dealing with here. You know, that would even align the no virus crowd with what we're talking about, you know, because that, there you go. It's a fake thing. It just seems kind of crazy that this research is not even even remotely being discussed, which tells me something. Not that we should assume that that proves it, but that's a good indication at the very least that something else is going on when this very obvious topic won't get talked about. Sort of how the EPA weirdly still won't talk about dioxins and still has never tested for them in, EPA, in, in East Palestine, despite almost everybody pointing out that's probably a problem. And they go, oh, yeah, we're going to do something. And then a week goes by, a month goes by. No, still haven't. What does that tell you? Right. So we're talking about something that is perceived to be a natural substance, but in fact isn't possibly everything we're dealing with right now. Now keep that in mind with the mod RNA thing we're going to get into next. It's not natural. They're telling you it's natural, but it's provably not. Now, why would they hide that? The virus transistors. But he says, in addition to the flexibility of the material, the ability to simply inject the electronics further reduces the invasiveness of the tool. However, to allow the meshes to be inserted into syringes, the researchers had to make some simple adjustments to the mesh design. You don't want this to crumple up like a ball of aluminum foil or get that jam to the needle. Now, it says once the mesh is injected, it behaved, its behavior depends on the surrounding tissue or material. Within soft, flexible surroundings, the mesh can expand and unfold. However, when injected into the dense tissue of a mouse brain, it can expand only a little and thus does not cut into and damage the tissue. Maybe that's what's happening. If this is something that's been released, it's being used, maybe that's hurting people. More importantly, the mesh has mechanical properties and feature sizes similar to those of neural tissue, yielding almost no immunoreactivity in contrast to other electrodes. It says the researchers demonstrated the, the suitability of the injectable electronics by using them to record local field potentials in mouse hippocampus. In addition, the injected meshes enable chronic recordings as they are incorporated into the tissue and then position remains stable. Here's the interesting part. So how would you ever know this was not a natural substance if this is something that ends up being and acting and looking just like a natural substance because of its size? He says, quote, we are able to record really nice single unit data over literally four months. You know what's really interesting to me? This just kind of blew my mind. What's the time frame they keep telling you you need to get another injection? Four months. 
Finally, the injectable electronics enable experiments that were not previously. Now, what I said right there that I obviously edited, by the way, for time. Well, the point was, let's be careful that we don't just, you know, because something connects that we don't assume confirmation bias. That could just be a coincidence. Always could can be. But it's interesting that three, four months has been this focus for everybody's injections for. And remember, how about that? How about we pointed out way back in the beginning, we caught them in real time where they said three months would be the time frame. Like the first year into this, remember that we caught them. And I don't even remember how I haven't talked about it so long, but we had the Wayback machine that showed them that said every three months. And my point was that how would they possibly know that? And then that's what came to pass because there was planning and coordination to all of this. But why was it three, four months? Why? I mean, you could show the negative efficacy kicks off within a day way back in the beginning. So what was going on there? Now, if you want to try to connect that, which is just thinking about the possibility, maybe there's something to it. Maybe there's a reason. Maybe there's a, maybe with certain people, maybe not everybody, that there was some level to try to map this out, to try to use this for this exact purpose. Just hypothetically, considering the possibility, it feels very interesting that these things connect so much. Possible. That's what I think is the one of, that they need to expand this out and map things and study things. In collaboration with Josh Sainz at Harvard, Lieber has started a, a, to perform electrophysiological recordings in the mouse retina, which was previously not accessible in the body because the injective electronics are essentially transparent. Hey, they don't interfere with the vision. Lieber even dreams of recording from multiple sites simultaneously, such as, you know, your eyes and your visual cortex and your brain, which should be possible as the electronics are so easy to inject. 2015. 2023. Here's Charles Lieber literally doing the same thing. I mean, this is crazy, dystopian, next level stuff, which is why I again want to point out that down here, it says, when scaled down, the difference between digital living organism systems blurs so that you have an opportunity to do things that sound like science fiction, things that people have only dreamed about. 2011. Hmm. Pretty interesting. I definitely think that there's something to that, like the overall picture, whether that's related to this, just a thought, but worth bringing back up so people can consider that that overlap seems to be undeniable. But how it fits in, I don't really know. Because remember, the main point was the virus-sized transistor, the way that was done. The success to that in 2011 was using a fatty lipid layer to encapsulate what they were doing so it wouldn't harm the cell. Well, that is exactly what they did in order to deliver the mRNA injection, the mRNA instruction. And yet the previous attempts for coronavirus injections always failed because the lipid nanoparticle concentration was too high and it caused too many side effects. And then this time, the way they succeeded was by increasing that concentration. You may be asking, well, how is that different? It's not. <laughs> We're watching it happen. It's still hurting people. The question should be, why did they think the same thing wouldn't hurt people again? Or did they even care? Now, going forward, as I said before, here's another interesting overlap. And uh, th I, there is a uh, interview that we're going to be putting out. Taylor, Taylor was in Europe, interviewed Arne Burkhart. We got it professionally done. Multiple cameras. And this will be coming out soon. She's editing it right now. Now, the reason it you know, had to be done with multiple cameras and the editing takes a minute, but this is going to be coming out as, as soon as she gets it done. And it's on these exact topics, and it's really important to understand this work. So stay tuned for that. But Dr. John B. points out, and this is at a, a uh, looks like a European medium out there, whether he's going around and, and kind of 
delivering this message, which I find it baffling, not baffling, but mind blowing that the CDC, the European, any, any of these authorities are seemingly just looking the other way. Now, understand, even in the title, we're not talking about the fact that there are only 75 autopsies. We're talking about the fact that he personally has done and overseen and looked into 75 autopsies, all of which linked to the COVID-19 injection for the death. There's more than that, by the way. We've talked about and shown you previous studies of autopsies that he's not that isn't included in this that find mRNA in every single organ in the body. That was like in 2021. And yet still, but we don't understand. We're confused. Of course, you're willfully ignorant. But he writes here, important presentation by by uh, uh, pathologist professor Dr. Arne Burkhart yesterday, this May 3rd, in the EU Parliament at the International COVID Summit Third, on his discoveries in 75 autopsies of people who died in connection with COVID injections. And he's, his slides are down here for you to look at. Now, this is, this is Dan Austin Gregory pointing out, do people think anti-vaxxers make up these pathological findings? Professor Arne Burkhart, a German pathologist, has now observed over 70 autopsies of those who have died following COVID vaccinations, and yet the majority of his profession is still unwilling to listen. And Peter McCullough follows up and says autopsies in those found dead a few days after COVID injections have confirmed Burkhardt's findings. Most cases, the COVID injection is the proximate cause of death in these previously healthy young people, says one of the leading cardiologists in the world. But, you know, he's been debunked, apparently. So this brings me to the next point about the artificial or rather inorganic genetically modified aspect of this that they want you to believe is natural. So don't forget about the part about something that is inorganic, something that is even tech, techno, uh, mechanical even. It's not, that's an archaic word for we're talking about, but you know, a bot, a, a nanotechnology bot, not a nanoparticle, but an actual virus-sized transistor. And how if it was put into the world, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference according to the leading expert of nanotechnology in the world. He says, if you that size, it acts like biology. So, this is Sol, uh, Solus 13 pointed this out to me because this is something that he knows that we talked about. They used mod RNA in these jabs. And, he, and th thank you for pointing this out that I pointed this out years ago. It's, uh, this is May 4th. Dr. June Ruby is, or Jane, excuse me, is pointing this out. This is, uh, I'm not familiar with her platform, but I'm not sure what she's associated with. But either way, America, it just says the Dr. Jane Ruby show. So I'm thank, good for her for pointing it out because this needs to be discussed. I just I'm just kind of blown away that this has not been in a high level discussed, right? I mean, like what, even the people that seem to care about the intricates intricacies of the illusion of the like, what about Jimmy Dore or Joe Rogan or any you know whether I know for sure they actually do I don't know. But why has this not been discussed? That's not an attack on anybody. I just don't. I find it. This is one of a thousand points like that. Things that we know, like for instance, we were harping on the pregnant point. For the last year and a half, and it's only just seemingly become a focal point of some of the larger people. I just kind of blows me away. I don't understand that. In any case, the point here is to realize that this is modified RNA and then understanding what that actually means. So here, and this is just the link to this article. Here's the article we're talking about. This is from January 29th, 2020. Modified RNA which most people would push back is even what we're talking about. I'll prove to you that's what we're talking about in all of these, specifically the Moderna is the interesting overlap to this. Their name is literally Moderna. Their name is literally mod RNA with one extra character. 
That's not by accident, guys. So it's funny that they base their entire name on the idea of the key part of this, which is that's what it is. And they don't even want to tell you that. They actually go out of their way to misrepresent it as what it's not because mRNA is not okay to misinterpret as mod RNA. They're very different, but they do. Here's the title of the article for the podcast. Modified RNA, so mod RNA, has a direct effect on DNA. <laughs> what do you know? An article titled M6A RNA Modification as a New Player in R-Loop Regulation by Dynamic Gene Regulation Research Group led by, oh, interesting, similar first name, Arna Klungland, was published in January. Clarification. Modified RNA is distinct from messenger RNA. MRNA, right? So mod RNA is distinct from mRNA, which simply comprises instructions for building proteins, right? That's what they really want you to think this is. Just a natural messenger RNA that has instructions for protein. That's not what this is. Messenger RNA, the basis of two prominent COVID vaccines, does not affect DNA. See the point? But that's not what we're dealing with. Now, I'm going to prove this to you. Even this art, so the article's being clear about the fact that modified RNA is dangerous. Or not, well, I'll get into what that it is. And that it's also different. He's saying that messenger RNA, the basis for these injections, does not. So this site was taking at face value what Moderna, Pfizer were telling them, and they were being misled. Even this high-level sci org scientific publication. High level meaning not necessarily like nature or science.org, but, you know, every, people are familiar with this website. Now, I think there's only one other point I was going to get into in this. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the, ju- the gist of the point. So let's get into the reality of it, which it's kind of mind blowing that even sites like this that clear. I mean, I argue that the writer probably knows what he's talking about, but they at some level have, re- have been taught that they take at face value what the CDC says or what somebody in authority says because they know better. I guess we just don't ask whether they could be wrong or lying. I do. Well, here's here's this article, this the article, the show in which I covered this. And this my point I said earlier about wishing I was better at remembering what show to talk about what, like Corbett could just pull these things out of nowhere. I just talked about this and I wasn't able to pull this one up. But remember, we just went over this again. COVID magnogenetic ferritin vaccines. We're talking about the magneto ferritin nanoparticle and how they, you know, they're talking about literally using this to control people's brains. That was not hyperbole. That's directly from the Guardian. And I think it was just before COVID-19. In any case, this is also the discussion where I get into mod RNA all the way back then. This is May 2021. Now, here is the actual video. Now, I'm going to break, I'm going to play this again, and this is just a quick little clip of that discussion, but I just want you to see this breakdown, because this is important. And then I'll include the links and kind of briefly show them to you again, so you understand how obvious and easy this is. Shout out, actually, to this is one of the first places I saw this was actually on Reddit, which I barely use anymore. I hate Reddit, but this this is a, you know, a a shout to um, ice, iced and corrected. I like that. That's actually pretty smart. Uh, That's a a little uh, handle for somebody on Reddit. Now let's watch this clip to see that it says it directly in their own documentation and that they've clearly tried to hide this fact. Pfizer and Biotech conclude phase three study of COVID-19 vaccine candidate meeting all primary efficacy endpoints. That aged well, didn't it? <laughs> we met it all. It's 100% effective and everyone's going to cure everything all the time. Oh, that quickly went to barely works and kills everybody. That worked really well. 
Check this out. This is what somebody just showed me. Apparently, what they're talking about in here, this release contains forward-looking information about Pfizer's efforts to combat COVID-19, the collaboration between BioNTech and Pfizer to develop a potential COVID-19 vaccine, the BNT162 mRNA vaccine program, and MODRNA candidate, BNT162B2. Oops, sorry guys, I was muted. So the 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 reason they have the BT one six two mRNA vaccine program is because they remember they had two of them. There was BNT one six two B two and BNT one six two B one, and we went over that actually. There was a time in which those things were they were both arguably going to be possibly be the one they were going to use. And what was interesting is the 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 two B one was actually one that was overlapping, I believe, with the self. Uh, there was the uh, which one was it? The self-amplifying discussion. In any case, I don't want to get off track. But so this is the point. It's right in their documentation. Mod RNA candidate. That is the Moderna vaccine. But they're saying MOD RNA, not mRNA. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? Well, let's dig into that a bit. What is that exactly? Nucleoside, which you've just mentioned in this past discussion, modified messenger RNA. It is a synthetic mod RNA is a synthetic messenger RNA synthetic. So it's, it's MRNA, but it's a synthetic RNA MRNA. So it's genetically modified. That's the, that's the main point. So the same people that literally pushed GMO foods on India and other places and are now more food scarce than before that whole scandal took place. And probably the whole point. Now we see it overlapping with what they're doing today, which we'll get to another point at the end today. Clearly, there's efforts to undermine the food supply. So weird how that's how that worked out. Are we, now we're and literally involving Bill Gates. And now we're allowing the same people who failed previously or rather succeeded in a way they wanted you to think they failed with genetically modified organisms and they're putting them in injections for your body. Maybe that's why they didn't want you to know. One of the many reasons. It's not natural, despite the fact that they're telling you that it's just the same as in your body. Well, it's not. It's like everything else they're doing. They're making it. They're playing God. They're creating this from their own petri, whatever. But that, why is that a little in tidbit not shared with everybody? In which some nucleosides are replaced by other naturally modified nucleosides or by synthetic nucleoside analogs. Now, what was the big point about, oh, that's right, blending technological and biological identities and basically circumventing the human species with what they're creating, right? So why not just use natural RNA, mRNA? So I'm sure there's a reason, there's a justification. Now, now on that point in general, I, I, I'm sure there's something like I'm not an expert on this topic, so maybe there's a reason that is not possible. I don't know. But regardless, the fact that they're not telling you this or in fact going out of their way to make sure you're conf- you don't know this to make it confusing or make it see to let you assume that that's what they're using. Like they pretend I never said Iraq was involved with 9-11, but then you ask and 90 percent of people thought that it's because they know how to do it without saying it bluntly. And that's how this works. It's all everything they do from government level around the world is about controlling your perception. But it also seems to align with the direction of not natural, but claim, but changing the definitions to say it's natural. Mod RNA is used to induce the production of a desired protein in certain cells. An important application is the development of mRNA vaccines. Just so we're clear, that's what this is, of which the first authorized were COVID-19 vaccines, such as. BNT12622B2 and mRNA1273. That is the 
biotech, and the Moderna. Now it says, inclusion of these modified nucleosides alters the secondary structure of the mRNA in your body, which can reduce recognition by the innate immune system while still allowing effective translation. Now, does that mean that it doesn't do what they're saying it does, which means it doesn't destroy it like it's supposed to or disintegrate over time? Possibly. Examples of COVID-19 vaccines used MRD RNA include the ones we just talked about, just to reiterate the point. Now, going forward and here, I just want to point out that that is what these are. Here's the phase one and two, of course, because they jammed together, but that's totally normal. COVID-19 RNA vaccine. And what, what's interesting, by the way, is most don't realize there was more than one. BNT162B1 and 2B2 were different. BNT162B1 is a lipid nanoparticle formulated nucleoside modified mRNA vaccine that encodes and the trimerized receptor binding domain of the spike glycoprotein of SARS-CoV-2. That's just the one. Now, that's the one that didn't end up being used. Safety and immunogenicity of two mRNA-based COVID-19 vaccine candidates, two lipid nano-formulated nucleoside-modified RNA COVID vaccines. 2B1, which encodes the secreted, trimerized SARS-CoV-2 receptor-binding domain, or BNT162B2, which is the one they're putting in everyone's arms, which encodes a membrane-anchored SARS-CoV-2 full-length spike. Clearly, it's great. It's great they chose the one with the full leg spike protein, right? That that worked out well. Every single choice they make seems to be making sure this is more dangerous, reaches more people, hurts them more. I mean, I just don't know how that could be an accident. The point. That's the one that's hurting. The spike protein is the problem. Here's an interesting discussion about this on Reddit. Here's what they had to say. I, I found this very interesting. Talking about hadn't heard this until today in the, in the press release from Pfizer, which I was showing you. And it is interesting that no one's really talking about this. And also he points out, by the way, that they had just concluded phase three, which is not even true, which is interesting because we can see that the estimated dates are October 21st or and April 23rd, 2023, October 2021 and 2023. Do you remember how they kept lying about that saying, that's not true. The date says that because they always do. There were so many armchair experts on Twitter that would shout down anybody saying things that we now know for sure are true, that they didn't finish these things or they truncated them or, you know, and even on top of that, we now know that the phase three trial when re-evaluated by multiple independent experts are saying they lied about this 36% increased risk for the Pfizer injection versus placebo. That was the phase three data. I've shown you that on peer reviewed science on least severe science direct. And it's just amazing to me. And that's, that's not a story. Like, not just that we disagree, but they literally lied about the findings. <laughs> that maybe, that's maybe why they wanted to drag it out for 75 years. I don't know. Who knows? Three. Neither one of those are here yet. And the reality is when you actually dig into the, the data, you'll find that there's even ingredients within these that have not even been verified to the, to the regulatory agencies, at the very least in the UK, which I guarantee applies here too. But what he's saying is it's mod RNA, not mRNA. So he looked it up and it says, and what the definition I just read you, but what he says is on a biomolecular level, he's not sure how great an effect this has. Switching out nucleosides shouldn't affect the proteins that get synthesized from it. On the other hand, one of the repeated claims is that the mRNA breaks down in the body in a matter of hours or days. This seems to be true in the case of mRNA, but does that hold for MOD RNA, a molecule that is chosen specifically for its ability to evade detection and decomposition? Has this even been studied? 
While I'm not sure the detail of the Pfizer or Moderna injections changes anything fundamental, it does raise some questions for him. Why didn't they tell the public these are modified RNA injections and not true mRNA injections? The same, this this is an interesting point. The name Moderna seems to derive from literally M-O-D-R-N-A. Pretty easy to see. Yet they don't publicize it. And when you search for M-O-D-R-N-A without the quotes, both Google and DuckDuckGo, they show you results for Moderna. Isn't that weird? (laughs) Well, it seems to be interesting nonetheless. Now, the point is simply that this seems to be another deviation from what we're being told that suggests yet another genetically modified alteration to something that's otherwise natural, which in in and of itself seems to be the things leading to the problems in our body. Is that a choice? Is that a direct agenda that's causing these problems? What is it? At the very least, I think it's important that we know that there's something going on here that they're not telling us about. Yeah. Another genetically modified edition. Right. You know, the truth. Doesn't that matter anymore? Apparently not. Well, going back to the original point. Well, we know, and you can easily check this for yourself, that modified RNA does directly affect your DNA. I mean, they screamed left up and down. Oh, it does not affect the DNA. Well, despite the ma- the very clear peer-reviewed science that absolutely finds that it does. But I think it's interesting that maybe there were some experts out there that pushed back because they thought it was mRNA. They thought you were an idiot. You don't understand the science. Well, they maybe understand the science, but they didn't understand the facts. And they were going forward on mRNA instead of mod RNA. Well, I actually was just closing some tabs to close up some of the, give some space for me. And either way, all the things we just went through in that clip are all, uh, are all included in the show notes. So you have all that stuff for you. And the last one here was just this, this Reddit post, which is just very interesting. That last point I think is so obvious, just like everything else, just like the died suddenly documentary. When you search for it now, all you get is a documentary, which people will dismiss because there's a lot of things in there that are misrepresented. Things are using that are old clips from wrong dates that happened before COVID and are misrepresented. Now, maybe that's just incompetence or maybe not, but either way, the Moderna, when you search, I've did this myself, search for mod RNA, even put it in direct quotes, you get Moderna. Like, by the way, Google, I mean, whether you use Brave or anything else, it's so frustrating today. You can literally search. I think I might have been an example up in the in the show today where you try to search for something like, when was this done? And oh, oh if I was doing it for the RSV vaccine. And I just said, okay, well, how long has this injection been underway? How long has it been in development is what I said. And all you get for the 14 pages is every single discussion today of how it just came out. That's not even remotely what I searched for. You can put it in quotes. It's weird. So they've broken themselves intentionally. So they don't want you to find the answer you're looking for. They want to show you what they want you to see. That's what's happening, but they're lying to you. Obviously this is a problem as the, on the bio molecular level. It, this is the interesting part. Remember, we talked about the mRNA breaking down in the body. They were so adamant about that. Well, it turns out we found out it doesn't. It circulates. You find it in all of the body's organs. Why? Well, because it says that, that, that the molecule that has been chosen specifically for the ability to evade detection and decomposition, that's mod RNA. And it affects your DNA. Again, I find it impossible that these were accidents, especially with all we now know. Then let's consider what it's doing to your body. 2021, this is not a new topic. This is the potential neurological effects of the COVID injections. So in 2021, they were saying, well, the current evidence indicates a minor risk. 
of acute neurological disorders. Now, that should have been enough right there to not force people at the very least. Didn't care. The observation of the long time of the long time effect is still needed. Well, guess what? We have that. They still don't care. April 27, 2023, a meta-analysis. Same point. Neurological adverse effects following COVID injections. The results. 30 articles were included. I guess they just missed those all in their pursuit to trust the science. Well, 22,780 patients who got COVID injections had at least one neurological adverse event. Now, you may go, oh, that's not enough, right? Well, that's one small aspect of endless amounts of adverse effects that are hurting people, that are putting people in the hospital, they're killing people. The median duration from vaccination to the development of neurological symptoms was, hey, 12 days. Again, weirdly, in the time frame, they dismiss it as unvaccinated everywhere in the world. In case series studies and 10 days in cohort studies. Well, there you go. Whether they choose two weeks, three weeks, doesn't really matter. 14 days, 21 days, all of it ends up, we'll put it this way, the vast majority of everything that's happening, cases, hospitalization, and death happens within the first 21 days of the injections. That is the vast majority. All of that ends up getting written down as unvaccinated still to this day. And even then, mind you, it still shows you that they're more. I mean, think about the mind-blowing reality of even with that information, they still show them having the problem. It says stroke, however, stroke is by far the most common neurological side effect of SARS-CoV-2 vaccines, followed by Bell's palsy and seizures. All very interestingly connected too: stroke, Bell's palsy, seizures. Remember seizures for the next point. Concerns regarding the safety of COVID vaccinations are being backed up by a growing number of studies that demonstrate these effects. But let's keep forcing it on children, though, for safety, right? We'll do the dangerous thing for your safety. That seems to be their mantra. Or the reality is they don't care at all, and the narrative is what they want you to believe. This is obvious in every possible way you look at it right now. Well, here's an interesting thing. This is just a thought I want to talk about. Now, but this is what they people get so upset about. You're not allowed to ask questions, guys. Remember that. You can't ask whether this could be connected. Now, I would equally argue that it would be dumb, irresponsible, ignorant to say you know this is the injection because we don't know that. That's the important thing in all of this. It's okay always to ask questions about everything. Every single topic you can go, I don't know, maybe it's a false story. I don't know, maybe they're lying. Maybe they're wrong. The fact that we've ever been taught that you're not allowed to ask questions about something Big, big, major historical events is dumb, is ignorant. It's suppression. It is censorship, even if you're wrong. But my point in this is I saw this clip and I thought it just seemed strange. I've seen a lot of fights, especially growing up in high school, and people got, I mean, beat to the ground way worse than this. Now, that's not to say that what you're about to see is not possible. A kid who has pre-existing issues with any number of things could be triggered by a violent event. That's one of the most common examples of schizophrenia or things like this, that they can be triggered by those kind of jarring events, a car accident, for example. So not just, I'm not saying what you're about to see is not possible just by what it is. But with what we just saw, all I'm saying is that we need, just like Dr. McCullough is saying, that at this point, with what we now know, every single death in that in regard after vaccination should be considered due to the vaccination until we prove otherwise, because that's how obvious the body of evidence is. So in this case, we have a kid who gets punched in the face in the middle of school after he insults this guy's mother. Personally, I think he deserves it, but I don't condone violence. I, I really don't, even though my, I don't know if I was, you don't want to insult my mother, but the bottom line is that he then goes into a seizure. 
And I just think it looks strange. It reminds me of any number of things we've seen. I, I, I can almost guarantee this kid with the mask on is probably injected, but I don't know that for sure. Of course, the you know peanut gallery chimes in telling everybody what they're supposed to do, even though she was wrong, by the way. I'm pretty sure you're supposed to put them on their side. That's what you're supposed to do. She's like, oh, you got to sit them up. I saw it on CNN. You know, whatever. Everybody knows everything today. But, you know, obviously, again, that could just be what it looks like. Because it, it does look like he hit his head pretty hard on the ground. Certainly possible. All I'm saying is it's not inappropriate in any circumstance ever to ask an honest question. Ever. How dare you think of the child? I am thinking of the child. I'm thinking of the reality of the truth. Everybody should care about that. Again, you don't know for sure, so we leave it there. We don't know. But we should ask whether that is being done. And when you begin to see an overwhelming body of evidence showing seizures all over the place, well, then you go, oh, that's right. We remember that kid. That's how I just, it's important that we make that point to people all the time. We need to continue to ask these questions. Now, one last point before we go over to a mass discussion. Igor uh, Chudov, who I've, I, I want to have on the show, just put up a really interesting post, which is really, it's, it's, it's sarcastic almost. He's making fun of how dumb this is. And even so, this is on nature, right? So it just shows you that still there is high-level science that is utterly ridiculous. Do not get COVID vaccine shots in the morning or in the evening, especially if you're old or young. <laughs> this is not a joke. Nature, timing matters for COVID vaccine effectiveness. Younger and older people gained greater protection if they had their jabs in the middle of the day. Like, this is peak stupidity. So it's not because they're just killing everybody and not working at all. In fact, after one day dropping the negative, or rather dropping efficacy after three months going into dramatically negative efficacy, meaning your immune system has been broken. But no, no, no. It's because they just didn't get it at the right hour of the day. This is a real study. It turns out, he writes, that younger and older people, you know, the people that they're killing the most with these injections, had significantly worse protection from COVID vaccine if vaccinated not precisely in the middle of the day. So vaccine science just explained why COVID vaccines are not working for so many people. Timing. It's not that they don't work. You see, vaccines do work, they claim. However, the time of day for the shot was just wrong, says scientists who wrote the Nature article. They should have known better and had it administered exactly at noon for everybody. So if you are younger or older, do not take the COVID vaccine in the morning or evening. And of course, don't take it in the midday either. <laughs> I mean, just think about how dumb this is, like the bottom of the barrel. Sure, I bet you this has some metric or some numbered effect. How much you want to bet, though, you couldn't call it statistically significant. It's probably a very, very small point where you can see, oh, well, if it was done at this time, you you know, and even then, maybe that has to do with the temperature of the when they're given and where the, the, you know, the, the refrigerator changed. I mean, who knows? But the bottom line is I can almost guarantee you that giving it in the morning versus the middle of the day is not scientifically sound to argue that's why it's not working. It's just pains me. And here's a high-level scientist who's telling you that this is stupid. But think for yourselves. But this is the kind of garbage we get spun. And that's why we need to ask. You don't just take science at face value. You weigh them. You look at the body of evidence. You look at the, sol the soundness of it. And you come to your own conclusions. And if you actually do that, it's undeniable how obvious these things are hurting people. Undeniable.
Now, another way that seems a willful choice to hurt people was, and by the way, I still haven't even done my follow-up bigger mask point show because I just don't even feel like I have to. I probably got 45 tabs lined up for masks. I just haven't got into because I don't really think it's necessary. I think there's so many other things that we need to talk about. And I think most people see it now. I think all these all of these poor souls out there that have been wearing these things for two years, they're the ones having, they're having acne and bad breath and teeth and rotting teeth and teeth falling out. You literally ask any dentist about it. They will tell you. I've covered it 14 times. Oral thrush is exploding and they're getting all sorts of bacterial pneumonias and their teeth are getting, and it's because what you're doing in four different ways is stopping the natural process of how your mouth stays healthy. The drying of your mouth and saliva is a huge aspect of how you stop, keep your mouth, you know, you stop cavities and a lot of different things. Not the only effect, but a huge one. And you wear a mask, it dries your saliva. That's a very obvious reality. And that's one of the reasons why the bacteria in your mouth gets pulled back into your lungs. I've covered this a hundred ways. All that aside, we can get into that later. The point is that here, we've also covered the microplastics, by the way. This is an excellent thread showing you that this is a potentially deliberate act. And I've said that for a long time. And, and, and actually, I'll wait for the bacterial pneumonia part, but I think I have a clip that I played before. Maybe I've deleted it. Let's see. Yeah, I think so. Well, in any case, it was the one where I've asked James Lyonsweiler, and he, you know, I said, obviously it can cause that. I mean, and I, this, we've known that. The science makes it very clear that bacterial pneumonia 100% can be caused by wearing a mask, especially for that long. Now, Dr. Ease Warren, I'm not even going to try it. Check out his account. It'll be in the show notes. Microplastics, he says, the dawn of the, plas- the plasticine age. Now, we've, this is a real thing, actually. Now, that's the name they've given it. We've talked about the Anthropocene. There's different time periods throughout history. And these are, these are called extinction-level events. I don't know about the Plasticine, but the Anthropocene was considered the sixth extinction. It's talking about a time frame where massive species were going extinct. I mean, every day we're losing species. A lot of them are smaller, see, you know, uh, like small, almost imperceptible creatures or things in the ocean and so on. But it's happening. It's a lot. And then some of them are higher. But that's really happening. That's not some green overlap to the climate change illusion. Those are real things that are happening. I do think we are hurting the planet. The carbon idea, the climate change narrative, which we'll get into later in the show, they're all high-level political manipulations, but we are definitely, just ask the U.S. military, the biggest polluter on the planet. But the dawn of the Plasticine Age is talking about something they've named what they believe is now happening because of plastics and microplastics. And this, by the way, this was something discussed before COVID-19. The point is that the masks and gloves and everything that was used to keep everybody safe has destroyed it in an exponential fashion. You know, I keep saying this, all the people that tell that simultaneously screamed, we're killing the planet, were the ones that were using 14 masks a day and 10 pairs of gloves. Now, you can see this just alarming picture. This is the kind of stuff you're finding in your food. Your, I mean, it's everywhere right now. There are acceptable levels of this stuff in a lot of garbage products. The government says so. That's not okay. Microplastics are defined as synthetic or solid particles of polymeric matrices with regular or irregular shape. And size ranging from one micro, mi, micron to five millimeters, I believe. I'm probably, what is, tell me in the chat if that's what MM would stand for. And that little meter doesn't sound right. Micro, in any case, you know what one micron is. We've talked about that in regard to the masks. Of either primary or secondary manufacturing origin, which are insoluble in water. 
There's a study you can read for yourself. The distribution and abundance of microplastics in the world are becoming increasingly extensive. So extensive, in fact, that many scientists are using them as key indicators of the recent and contemporary period defining a new historical epoch, the the plasticine. Now think about this in the context of everything else. PFAS, dioxins, benzene, all these things that they're fluoride or glyphosate, all these things that the government has allowed, like willfully allowed to become so ubiquitous that we can prove that they're destroying species, hurting your biology, hurting the planet hurting your health. Why would we not know that dioxins are so background leveled, so high, 100 times the safe level, according to CNN 1995, in your fast food, but yet no one knows about that? We're not talking about it? To the point to where what happened in East Palestine, the actual argument they make for not testing is because, well, the background level would, you wouldn't be able to tell. So you're literally admitting that it's so dangerous that we wouldn't even be able to tell the difference, so we won't even test for it? Think about how wild that is. Or PFAS, which seems to be literally everywhere. Or glyphosate, which is in your, it's in your skin, it's in your clothes, it's in your urine. I'm not making that up. It is everywhere. The one point I make, and there's so many to make, in Europe, long time ago, every member of parliament took a urine test and every one of them had glyphosate in their urine. They did so to prove otherwise, and guess what they found? It is everywhere. That's not healthy for you. My point is, they've allowed this too. Do you think these people care about your health? Yeah, take the injection. It'll keep you healthy. Meanwhile, everything else is allowed and they don't care. And their military is the biggest polluter on the planet. Well, they blame China, which China is obviously one of the leading polluters on the planet. But you realize, and it's verifiable, that the U.S. military is the leading polluter on the planet. So why don't we talk about that? Because bad guy China, apparently. Two-party paradigm melts logic. The recent pandemic has certainly not helped either. One study showed that more than 8 million tons of pandemic-associated plastic waste have been generated globally with more than 25,000 tons entering the global ocean. 8 million tons of masks and gloves. But we care about the planet, though, for something less than the flu, according to the leading science of today. 87% of this waste came from hospitals, including plastic gloves, gowns, and masks, with only, get this, guys, 8% by individuals. Now, of course, that's a study and they could be wrong somehow. But the interesting part about it is, doesn't that show you something? They sure as hell wanted you to think that everybody else was doing what they're supposed to and you weren't. But it turns out, it doesn't seem that way. It's always an illusion, guys. Nanoplastics and other harmful pollutants have been found in disposable face masks that are released when submerged in water. We knew this. A lot of us talked about it when this was at this peak. We were all shouted down and called conspiracy theorists, despite the peer-reviewed science pre-COVID that showed you that. But, you know, we were the crazy ones. The other pollutants within the silicon-based and plastic fibers of common disposable face masks included lead. Uh, I don't even know what this one is, actually. Antimony. Antimony. The chemical element of atomic number 51. Oh, great. Fantastic. So atomic level 51. Lead. Copper. You know, but the mask will keep you safe, they said, right? A study from the University of Portsmouth found mask litter increased by 9,000% in the first seven months of the pandemic and could have led to further spread of the virus. Right. Remember we were all yelling about that? Like, why are we allowing kids to carry their pockets and show them on their shirts and, you know, pin them to their mask, you know, pin them to their shirts or, or hang from hooks or reuse them every day or how about when we get rid of them we're just throwing them in the garbage can aren't they pandemic waste what you do that with you know 
a wipe in the hospital goes in that weird little box, but you're not going to tell me this mask for the biggest pandemic of the century needs to do something special. There's so many obvious lies around this. So the point is, if it was what they said, well, obviously that made it worse. Or they knew it wasn't dangerous, didn't care, or something else. But we're being lied to. Microplastics are everywhere. They have recently been found in your lungs, which suggests that they're being inhaled. Gee, I wonder how that happened. This is worrying, he says, as exposed to them has been that that as exposure to them has been hypothesized to be linked with neurotoxicity, reproductive toxicity, oxidative stress, carcinogenicity, and immune disruption. Isn't it interesting how I mean to the point, to the letter, almost everything we're seeing done because of these injections, it just so happened that the masks and the high microplastics you were breathing did exactly the same things. Reproductive issues, stress, heart problems, immune problems. Isn't that crazy? No, it's quite obvious to me. Recent research has alluded to various mechanisms by which microplastics cause immunotoxicity, including increasing oxidative stress. And by the way, for those in the podcast, every single tweet he's posting, other than this one it looks like, is linked to either an article about it, or most of them making the big claims, are peer-reviewed science. Science Direct, PubMed, 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 Science Direct, over and over and over. So I love when people out there shout this down because you don't know what you're talking and they don't even look at the sign. They're reading what their CDC said and they'll post a CDC page about what they said is going on and you're posting 14 science, peer-reviewed science studies. It's just so sad how obvious people are brainwashed, really. Increased oxidative stress and the inappropriate activation of immune cells. That's what we're seeing. Resting in the production of antibodies against self-antigens. Resulting in the production of antibodies against self-antigens. That, that would be um, autoimmunity, right? You are hurting your overreactive immune system. Causing temporary immune suppression due to increased production of anti-inflammatory cytokines. Suppression of T-helper cells and decreased production of T-cells. It says resulting in production of antibodies against self-antigens. Wouldn't that be autoimmunity, not immunosuppression? Well, either case, both ways, right? We've seen both of them during this whole thing. Now, maybe he's not meaning to connect those two. I don't know. But causing DNA damage in human peripheral lymphocytes. Interesting. More DNA damage, more DNA effects, causing alterations in the expression of immune system genes and the downregulation of gene correlated with epithelium integrity and fat metabolism in zebrafish. Causing hormonal dysfunction, downstream immune dysfunction, after the intestinal microbiota profile of certain crab species, altering them, excuse me, intestinal, so everything under the sun, it seems, through, though a great and growing, maybe through a great and growing, no, though a great and growing health and environmental concern, human trials with regards to how microplastics affect our biological systems and immunity are severely lacking because they don't care because they've allowed this either through profit or some other nefarious agenda to be ubiquitous. So they can't just like with the dachshunds. Well, they can't point at it now. It's too late. Otherwise, there may be some accountability coming their way. Excuse me. A very recent study notes that oral feeding of nanoplastics reduces brain function in mice. Maybe they just want you stupid. By triggering gut interleukin-1. We just talked about interleukin. I, I have to come back to this. Specifically this one, producing microphages, thus further highlighting the gut-brain immunological axis. If you like, and this points out his other threads and books and so on, but my God, man, all the studies there for you to check for yourself. 
Now, here's just one I'll include, but you know, I could probably point I could probably include 17 different shows we've done. This one was done in November 24th, 2020. Before basically all of the newer huge mass studies that show exactly what we're talking about. So the, what this shows you, as I, as I titled The Great Mask Deception, is not that I was guessing, not that I was, you know, just so happened to get lucky and it turns out, no, we were looking at the science. As always, as you can see right here, Science Direct, ACP Journals, JAMA Network, NCBI. These are peer-reviewed mask studies that say the same thing before COVID. Isn't that crazy? Including the CDC's own meta-analysis in the middle of this, right in the beginning, that says the same thing. And we can't see that suddenly it shifts and you're wrong and everything else doesn't matter. And it's just, it's a testament to propaganda. But just to show you, one, that we were that far ahead of this story. And on top of that, that this was clear even back then. It's even more clear now. Now, here's another point. Dr. Eli David just shared this. And this is another one that I'm very adamant about way back then and including in this show. This wasn't even the first one, which is hypercapnia, hypoxia. Right. Having too much, basically too, too much breathing in CO2 and then one having too how much too much CO2 in your blood, which one leads to the other. And that is what happens when you wear these to some degree. That's verifiable. And previous surgeons would point this out and it suddenly became fake news. Dr. Eli David says wearing masks causes long COVID symptoms. <laughs> Apparently so. What do you know? Another example of how the thing they're telling you to do to fight it actually causes what they then call COVID or rather in this case, long COVID. A new paper reviewed. 2,168 studies and concluded that masks decrease oxygen saturation, increase blood CO2, heart rate and blood pressure, and cause headaches and dizziness. That is, symptoms wrongly classified as long COVID. Exactly. Every single one of these things that are headaches and dizziness, and they're, 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 oh, it's long COVID. You know, the people still wearing masks because they believe it's COVID and your COVID's dangerous, so they keep wearing it and keep causing these symptoms, and keep calling it COVID, and keep getting more vaccines, which makes it even worse. Now, this could just be a moneymaker. I don't believe that. But right there, it seems pretty obvious that they have an endless cycle, right? And as I said, if only the T-Lab coverage on masks, and this specifically from 2020 and 2021, would have reached the masses, hopefully this new study, there are others, breaks through to those still using the masks. I really hope so. Because it's hurting people. Now, here's the study he points out. 2023, we found significant effects in both medical, surgical, and N95 masks. What do you know? How long have we been saying that? None of them are statistically significant in reducing transmission of specifically COVID or flu. And on top of that, significant effects across the board with, and it says with a greater impact of the second, These effects included decreased oxygen level, minute ventilation, simultaneous increased in uh, in blood CO2, which I believe was at the hypercapnia, I forget which one, hyper, just, uh, hypercapnia, hypoxia, I think it's hypercapnia, and then heart rate, systolic blood pressure, skin temperature, humidity. And I want to point something out I find interesting. Let's not forget that like coming from a kitchen background as a, as a, as a chef before I got into all this. I went to the Culinary Institute of America in Napa Valley and done this for done it for years until I got into this. That we always got taught there were very specific factors. I can't remember one of them, but you know, time, temperature, I think moisture, like different factors that all you need to make sure are all in the right place because any one of them can cause bacteria to grow and get people sick. 
It's a big deal, especially if you work on like a cruise ship. It's wildly strict on cruise ships because you're stuck out there, right? So the point is you have to, you can only keep things for a certain period of time and you have to check temperatures have to remain below a certain level, blah, blah, blah. So my point always has been that the mask creates the perfect environment for growing dangerous material inside the mask. Outside of the politicization of the topic, everybody anywhere who had any understanding of this would have been like, obviously, why would you wear a wet piece of anything over your mouth all day? That seems really dumb. But apparently, people fell for it. Effects on exertion, discomfort, dyspnea, which again was the uh, like breathing, difficulty labored breathing. Heat, humidity were significant with a robust relationship to mask wearing. Pooled symptom prevalence was significant. Headache, acne, skin irritation, trouble breathing, heat, itching, voice disorder, dizziness. All of the, even the voice disorder, guys, that was literally named a long COVID symptom. Mass interfered with O2 uptake and CO2 release and compromised respiratory compensation. That's pretty obvious. This is frontier, high-level peer-reviewed science. Outcomes independently validate mask-induced exhaustion syndrome. That's interesting, M-I-E-S. And downstream physiometabolic dysfunctions. This is way more obvious. This is, this is so more incumbent. There's a lot of long-term problems being created by this. This problem, mask-induced exhaustion syndrome, which is being called long COVID, can have long-term clinical consequences, especially for vulnerable groups. You know, the groups they tell should wear the mask most. Kids, immunocompromised, they all wear the mask for sure. They're the ones being hurt by it the most. So far, several mask-related symptoms may have been misinterpreted as long COVID. Exactly. It's amazing how they trust the science crowd just doesn't want to look at the science. You wonder why? Because it makes them feel stupid. Because they're realizing in real time that they've been wrong. And many of them are too proud to point that out. Many of them don't care. Many of them just don't talk about it because they don't want to admit it. Conclusion, face mask side effects must be assessed against the available evidence of their effectiveness against viral transmissions. In the absence of strong empirical evidence of effectiveness, mask wearing should not be mandated. Again, a really half-hearted lackluster conclusion regardless the science is undeniably clear question it like everything else now here is a point about long covid i've gone over this many times from february 2023 april 2023 april 7th 2023 you know the long covid con where we go over the science showing you that most of them are saying psychosomatic just in case you wanted to look at it now a couple more points on the masks don't forget here is the See uh, a New York Times article saying, here's why the science is clear that masks work. You know, as we're showing you that we know that they don't. You just got to love the high level journalism today. March 10th. Now you can read how ridiculous this is for yourself. It's just nonsense. The whole point is point is the one of the most highly regarded institutions. The Cochrane Review is suddenly fake news. Like the British Medical Journal is now a ridiculous blog, according to some of these ridiculous people, because they were the first earliest ones to come out and say that we were being lied to. Good for them specifically the senior editor. It's amazing how one of the highly regarded, highest regarded medical journals can suddenly become a fake news platform because they challenge the narrative. Isn't that just pathetic? Same point here. She says, the debate over mass effectiveness in fighting the spread of a coronavirus intensified recently when a respected scientific nonprofit said its review of studies assessed measuring, assessing measures to impede the spread of viral illness found it was, quote, uncertain whether wearing masks or N95 respirators help to slow the spread of viruses. Oh, is that what they found? Zen, yep. No, in fact, that's literally 
the opposite of what they found. That's journalism for you, though, a corporate level, right? We're going to pretend their finding was, we don't know. <laughs> no, that's what you guys say, and then frame it as, we know. That's pathetic. Now, regardless of whether you as a journalist want to pretend you know better than the Cochrane Review, you know, that's one thing. And you have your right to do that. That Everybody has that right. Except apparently you don't think we should, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> the point here is I'm going to show you what they found, and it's a far cry from uncertain weather. Here's what it says. Maybe she just didn't read it well. Maybe she can't read. I don't know. Here's what it says. Main result. We included 11 new random controlled trials and clustered random controlled trials of over 600,000 participants in this update, bringing the total to 78. So she's dismissing 78 random controlled trials. By the way, you can each read for yourself and all come to similar conclusions that they're not doing what they say they're doing. But because they frame it from just Cochrane Review, it makes it easy to go, well, this one platform misrepresented this. Did, okay, so you don't, you don't care about the other 78 random controlled trials that all find the same thing? They must all have been misunderstanding it. That's the kind of level we're at. It's, it's, it's insulting to your intelligence. Oh, and I also pointed this out, the influenza-like illness, COVID-like illness, where they complete combine those things, because they've always been very similar. That's why they use like illness. They used to dismiss the studies earlier that were like influenza-like illness. That's oh, not COVID. Well, that's why they use influenza-like illness. So now, now they're realizing that. But anyway, there is uncertainty. So she got that part right about the effects of face masks. So if you just maybe read that one sentence and pretended that was everything, well, maybe, maybe. Is that journalism? No, that's propaganda. Well, let's read the rest of it. How about that? The low to moderate certainty of evidence means our confidence in the effect estimate is limited and that the true effect may be different from the observed estimate on the effect. Here's the point. The pooled results of random controlled trials, 78 of them, did not show a clear reduction in respiratory viral infection with the use of masks. That's not uncertainty. That's absolute. That is the huge and obvious body of all the random controlled peer-reviewed science saying we did not find a difference. There were no clear differences between the use of medical surgical masks compared with N95s. So we found no difference, and there was no difference between the different ones, different and different masks. That gets translated out to the ridiculous people that take at face value from New York Times that they're uncertain. I mean, it's just it's just sad, isn't it? Like, this is sad. Here is a somebody I'm pretending to be an expert from Oxford. My taxi driver just said, you know, the world, the world Health Organization just said the COVID was over, which, by the way, they literally did. And I'll show you. He says, I kept my cool because apparently you're not allowed to think different things, apparently. Right. And explain that COVID most definitely was not over with this gigantic mask that's hurting him. And by the end, he seemed to agree that we still need to take precautions or he just thought you were an idiot and just didn't want to engage or didn't want to have you stop you from screaming at him. He tipped him both in cash and a mask. Well, that's kind of disgusting. I don't want your gross mask from where? Where were you? What well, had to be in your pocket? I doubt you were carrying it out in the open. I mean, this that's that's ridiculous. So you're telling me this expert doesn't know that a mask in your pocket compromises that mask? That's what the CDC would say. But you could tell by his eyes, he's very bright. But anyway, the point is, I explained that COVID is not over just by quoting what the, H the WHO actually said. Okay, well, this tweet says, the worst thing any country could do now is to use the news as, to, as a reason to let its guard down, to dismantle the systems it built, or to send a message that COVID is nothing to worry about. Okay, I don't see anywhere, anywhere in there that they say it's not over. They say, well, take precautions. 
However, right here, it says, it is therefore with great hope that I declare COVID-19 over as a global health emergency. That is directly from the WHO. They go, however, that doesn't mean that you should stop. It's not a threat. Okay, well, fine. That's, that's different, though. It's no longer, it's over. He says literally over as a global health emergency, May 5th. But that doesn't mean we should stop being precautious. Okay, fine. So wash your hands, be precaut. Okay, good. Now, they believe it means more than that, but that's not the same as saying it's not over. So what I think is hilarious is this guy literally probably screamed at this guy. I mean, I would guess he, I doubt he was very calm about it. About how, no, 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 it's not over. It's not over. And then shows him a tweet that says, take precaution. So is he just not aware that he's wrong? Or is he just so, bra- or I mean, and still, is he just so brainwashed by the narrative or the idea that everything's so dangerous that even though the guy literally says it's over, and then just his butt keep wearing a mask that you're not allowed to think that it's over, even though he literally just said that it's over. Is this guy addicted to this? Is he scared? Does it matter? Because he'll he'll give you a dirty mask in his pocket. Stay safe. <laughs> My God. And then, of course, Jordan Satchel follows up with the most important point. I hope you get the help that you need. Now, look, I'm not trying to insult anybody, even though I kind of just did, <laughs> to be fair. But I I agree with that. I mean, what person at this point with the level of peer-reviewed science from the Cochrane, I mean, across the board, and before COVID-19, that all shows you that that's ridiculous, that what he's doing is dangerous. And then he not only does that, but he forces it and pressures it on other people. I do believe he needs help. Maybe not high levels here, but the point is, some, there's, you know, it's like being in a cult. This guy needs to be walked back from the edge. Maybe he doesn't care. Maybe he's part of it. I don't know. I don't really care at this point. I just hope people can see the truth. Now, Josh Walkos, who, by the way, again, I highly recommend you check out his recent article for The Last American Vagabond. Let's see if it comes up. There we go. Oh, no, that was mine. I'll include that, too. It was a long shadow of Black Rock. There it is. A really outstanding article. A really good overview. Oh, it's the draft. Son of a gun. There it is. Jiminy Christmas. Okay. So this was just once since I came up. I We covered this. I, I did a show on this back in June 18th, 2020. Again, guys, I keep telling you that if you go to the Last American Vagabond, hit the search bar and search for anything, you will find something on this platform. There's so much good work like this, so far ahead of what everybody else is at. And I'm not just doing that to pat myself on the back. It's just the reality. 2020, the COVID coup. And I'm not the only one. There's plenty of other independent media that were way ahead of the story too. The BlackRock takeover of American interests. That was what happened. And they justified the plan for COVID-19 despite the fact that we proved that it was outlined long before COVID. The going direct reset we've talked about with Catherine Austin Fitz. In any case, this article was outstanding. The long shadow of BlackRock, Josh Walkos, who he's he's already working on a follow-up for Vanguard, is important to read and understand what's really going on. Now, on that note, he makes a great point. Cites the art, the peer-reviewed science, because that's what intelligent people do, or in responsible people do, is cite their source material. The unrecognized threat of secondary bacterial infections with COVID-19. Well, is that what's happening? Is it just that the, the majority of the problem was because COVID caused bacterial pneumonia? Or are we just conflating things that we don't understand, like with, like with 1918? Now, my opinion despite the fact that the misrepresentation of it was that Fauci said this in a study or the study said so. As far as I can tell, there's nothing that argues other than 
people writing about it after the fact that masks caused that in 1918. Right, what we call the Spanish flu, but it was actually the Kentucky flu. It's where it actually originated. You can look it up. It's a proven fact. The reason we call it Spanish flu is because Spain was the first person to speak up about it. Weird how that's exactly what seems to have happened with COVID-19. In any case, the point is that there's an overlap here. And I do believe that masks were likely, if not the entire, some reason why that happened. Now, I also point out that probably you're going to argue that maybe there is no COVID-19. Maybe there was nothing other than a bacterial pneumonia that got conflated, just like with the flu, where we've got 99% of the numbers every year, actual pneumonia, that just call secondary pneumonia and blame it on the flu. Is that what's happening? The WHO and the HHS have both called this out over the years. That's not fair. It's not honest. Never changed. I guess they just fired those people, right? But it says, quote, they found that 243 94.2% of patients were co-infected with at least one of 39 different pathogens. Okay, so were they co-infected or were they just infected with this pathogen and you called it COVID-19? So if 39 different things that you just end up calling all secondary to COVID, maybe COVID's not there. I'm not, just just a thought. And the reason I say that is because there's a lot of example of how it doesn't need to be. Danny Rancourt's made this argument with excellent research showing you that if they really wanted to, it's obvious that they didn't even need a COVID-19. There's a thousand metrics and mechanisms they used to make this look this way. False PCR tests, conflating flu with pneumonia, pneumonia with COVID-19. All of these things happened. Now it says bacterial co-infections were predominant. 91.8% over viral and fungal infections. Now here is the study itself the unrecognized threat of secondary bacterial infections. It says coronavirus disease, COVID-19, is the greatest pandemic of our generation. It's very, very obviously not. With 16 million people affected, right? Okay, well, if we now know, based on peer-reviewed science, leading science of today, the Ionitis group that has shown very clearly that this is less than the flu. Pre-vaccination was less than the flu. That's that Nobody's even challenged that. Hasn't been retracted. There's plenty of other science that backs it up. And remember, the Neil, the Neil Ferguson number was, the, was holding this up the entire time, which we've, we proved early was wrong. In fact, based on complete manufactured information. It says one of the risk factors associated with COVID-19 is secondary bacterial pneumonia, which, by the way, the mask 100% can cause. Not every time, but can 100% absolutely cause that. In recent studies on COVID-19 patients, bacterial infections were significantly associated with worse outcomes. <laughs> Okay, maybe that's because they're sick with a bacterial infection. And that's it. And death despite antimicrobial therapies. In the past, the intensive use of antibiotics during the severe acute respiratory syndrome coronavirus pandemic led to increases in the prevalence of multidrug-resistant bacteria. Okay, well, still, that's a problem that's been building a long time, the antibiotic-resistant drugs. It says the rising number of antibiotic-resistant bacteria antibiotic-resistant bacteria and our decreasing capacity to eradicate them or unwillingness to even try is really what we're talking about from the government's perspective. Not only render us more vulnerable to bacterial infections, but also weaken us during viral pandemics. The COVID-19 pandemic reminds us of the great health challenges we are facing, especially regarding antibiotic-resistant bacteria. Or maybe that's exactly only what it was. In any case, the point is it's amazing that yet again, and seemingly every single time, it's really something else, if maybe the only thing. I find that ridiculous. Now here, again, as I keep pointing out, is where we covered this before. February 2021. Masks 
lead to bacterial pneumonia, oral thrush, systemic inflammation, and may be the cause of long-haul COVID. I mean, you know what? I've got to pat myself on the back for this. This is right now stating what the newest peer-reviewed science just found. Now, that's not because this was nowhere and I was guessing. This was earlier science. And multiple versions of it find from different compartments that I was, what I was piecing together and making conclusions based on the facts. Now, this is what they're doing here, too. My point, though, is that we were that far ahead of this. That's I'm proud of that. I do believe this is at least in part what's causing what they're claiming is long COVID, as we just showed you. But on top of that, that bacterial pneumonia definitely can be caused by these the masks and oral thrush is being. I mean, there's a lot of overlap. I don't want to go. I'm going to dive into that. It'll take me 20 minutes to get away from it. But watch the show. It's very obvious. And then one last thread I'm going to just leave for you guys to check out for yourselves. Dr. Simon Godek. Proof that masks work during COVID. Now, before you freak out, he's making that as a point to catch people. And of course, he doesn't actually think that because he's not stupid. He says masks did work during the pandemic, but not in the way that they were communicated. He go, he, It's an excellent thread where he goes through what it seems their real, at least in part, their real intention was, whether it's conditioning or a lot of other things. The lying, the Fauci, it's a great thread. The, the, the many different ways we were deceived, how it was pushed by the media. So make sure you check it out for yourself. It's a great thread. Now, let's talk about the other vaccines right now and the other injections that are being pushed that hurt people. And it's not even necessarily in the same concept con, uh, conversation as mRNA platforms or any of that. It, uh, that's where they're all going. But it's just interesting. Just interesting how willing people are to blindly push in to what we're supposed to think. Despite everything we just saw. So here's Neil Stone. Imagine if there was a vaccine against cancer. Well, there is. It's the HPV vaccine, such as Gardasil. It's amazing, he says. Imagine if there are people against giving a vaccine to prevent cancer. Well, remarkably, there are. Ignore them. Well, let's look at, let's just do this. How Imagine a person who is so willing to ignore all of the peer-reviewed research and observational research and just testimonials of people that have been devastated by the HPV vaccine and argue that you're all crazy and ignore all that evidence just because you think you'd be a conspiracy theorist because you don't care to look at it because you're being paid to do so. I don't know. But imagine that. Imagine somebody so willing to not look at it that they just push the idea that you should ignore people saying it outright. Ignore them. Ignore that woman who says she got cancer. Ignore that woman who had a stroke. Ignore the people, the children that are pushing this on. Ignore them. Because remarkably, they care about other people. Well, Ellen Lorio points out anyone affected by the HPV vaccine should contact this group because she's well aware of the reality and is not even willing, just giving somebody a link to go to to understand, well, there's an entire like class, class action lawsuit. I mean, I'm not, again, this was just to make a quick point. We're going to talk about the RSV one. But let's be let's understand there's a waterfall. I mean, Gardasil has been one of the most critical critiqued and it's it's a dangerous vaccine that is still given to people, which blows my mind. Now, you can argue there's a use for it. I personally at this point and I, I don't even know why anybody anywhere would take anything they say ever again at face value based on all of the lies we just saw. Now, people argue that's so irresponsible. No, it's not to to ask people to question liars that we've proven are liars is irresponsible what's irresponsible is putting people in a position to have to question that they lie to you that's irresponsible well yeah put it on us for questioning the liars 
any case, RFK Jr. points out Gardasil HP vaccine appears to be increasing the risk of the very cancer they're giving it to people to stop. Weird how that works, right? In age groups, just as COVID vaccines raise the risk of COVID. Exactly. You're taking injections that actually cause what they tell you they're trying to stop. Now, you, you can read this for yourself. As always, there's source material in this discussion. Oh, it looks like I, I had part one out here. It looks like I lost it. Here's part two. Researchers who looked closely into these injections concluded the risks from the vaccine seem to significantly outweigh the as yet unproven long-term benefits. This is exactly how this worked with everything before. Now they're just doing the same sleight of hand lie with the mRNA platform. It's painful to watch this. Robin Minotti points this out. This is March 20th. Independent. Not, this isn't the same conversation. People are just pointing this out in their own accord. Evidence suggests HPV vaccination makes women more susceptible than their non-vaccinated peers to HPV genotypes not covered by the vaccine. So essentially, women who get the vaccine have traded one risk for another. Quote, when looking at the cervical cancer in general, there's now a troubling spike in rates. Between 2001 and 2018, cervical cancer rates have increased by 1.3%. Isn't that odd? The primary cause for this continued rise appears to be because cancers associated with non-vaccine strains are going up. Right? Here, take this oral polio vaccine. It'll work. Oh, no, it gave you all polio. Here, take this GMOs. It'll give you food. Oh, no, it took all your food away. Oh, I mean, come on, guys. How about we wake up and see how often this continues to be? No, how about take that back? How ubiquitously this continues to be the case. Like I say with foreign policy, whether you think they're just clumsy and malfeat and just are bad at their jobs or they want to hurt you, does it really even matter from a perspective of stopping them from doing it? Why, why would you let somebody who keeps failing keep pushing things on people? Now, here's just a couple more points to make. And you can, I mean, same point. Look up this just side effects, maybe not today on controlled search engines, but a lot of the social media platforms, you'll find a lot of the links to these things, not post on social media, but it just so happens to be on social media platforms. You can search and find so, science links that you won't find on Google or Brave, which is odd. But it says Gardasil injection followed by stroke. It's endless. You'll find an endless amount of this that's both science and testimonial and lawsuits and so on. This is one of the lawsuits where people are suing them because they know this happened. 2015, the epidemiological profile of Asia, which is autoimmune inflammatory syndrome. Weird, the overlaps after HPV vaccination. That's from 2015. But we're all crazy, though. Cardiac arrest. Following HPV vaccine, you know, but we're all crazy and you're wrong. And, you know, according to Neil, just ignore it all because you're a dumb conspiracy theorist. That's what an ignorant person looks like. Not because some people may overblow the risks, which I don't believe, but just hypothetically, but because he's unwilling, apparently, to entertain or acknowledge that there are risks. That's not that that's irresponsible. There's obviously risk. You can read their own documentation. There's some risk. So the idea that you should not question it, that's pure ignorance. Now, on the note of the new and approved RSV vaccine, apparently it's been 20 years coming, they keep telling. Oh my God, this is the best thing ever. Okay, so since when have over 60-year-old people needed an injection for a childhood problem? After COVID, apparently. All of a sudden, strep explodes and RSV is infecting everybody. It's never happened before. All these things that have never happened before. What's the only difference? Oh, that's right. A new genetic modification has been pumped into everyone's arms. I wonder if that had an effect on all this. Or if this is even not even happening. Who knows? 
we should ask these questions. But here's what they just approved. There's a couple of interesting points to all this. That It's amazing that this shows you the obvious, clumsy, and just seemingly willfully dangerous process that was done through the COVID-19 illusion of the injections, rather. May 3rd, the FDA has approved Erexv. Quote, older adults, in particular those with underlying health conditions, that's always how this works, such as heart or lung disease or weakened immune systems, remember that, are at high risk for severe RSV which, by the way, according to everybody everywhere, is common, not that dangerous overall, but can be dangerous. Well, so could literally anything. But based on that possible can be dangerous, they, they, this is going to be pressured, which I'm already seeing on people over 60 who are the most at risk from being hurt by this injection. That's how this tends to work. But they don't talk about the risk because in their mind, there is no risk. Just like with COVID, you're a conspiracy theorist. So what they do is say, well, the RSV risk is so dangerous for over 60s that we have to give them this vaccine. But you're not allowed to weigh the risk of the vaccine with the risk that might not really be there for the... No, no, you're fake news. You're dangerous. That's not a conversation. That's not informed consent. That is the same thing with COVID-19. Now, I'm not... not, Well, maybe slightly jumping the gun because this is only just being approved, but I'm already seeing the conversations go in that direction. And I think we kind of know that this is what they do. Now, this is Fierce Pharma beating its rivals, GlaxoSmithKline, NAB's world's first approval for adult RSV vaccine. But don't forget, GlaxoSmithKline has been overlapped with Moderna and a bunch of different groups throughout the entirety of COVID-19. I'm starting to believe that this is just one big kind of nebulous thing behind the scenes. But the point here is it says the FDA approved the shot based on phase three trial data, showing it was 82.6% effective at preventing RSV-related lower respiratory tract disease. Okay. In adults 60 and older, okay, protection against severe disease in the trial came at 94.1%. So, first of all, is that it's only supposed to reduce symptoms. It's not supposed to stop. Okay, well, that's not what that says. So, either that's going to become the lie that gets exposed, or we are talking about stopping transmission. And that is a thing, except we, we all knew that. And that's at least what they argue beforehand. So, why did COVID, now, why was the whole thing going, you dummy? It was never supposed to stop. It was only supposed to reduce, blah, 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 you know verbal diarrhea that comes out of people that scream at you about things they don't know. This one clearly says preventing RSV. So that's talking about transmission. 82%. So even then they're going to go, well, not all the time. (laughs) You must have fallen in that percentage. It's like the Rogaine analogy. But then it says related lower respiratory tract disease. What does that mean? So it's not even RSV, but then it says protection against severe disease. Are we talking about RSV related lower respiratory tract disease? Or are you talking about RSV? Now, maybe they see it as the same thing, but that doesn't sound like the same thing. That sounds like a related thing, sort of like pneumonia to COVID. Seeing my point? But in any case, 94%. Well, let's remember what Pfizer said and what Moderna said and what GlaxoSmithKline has been caught for saying in the past. You know, they always lie to you. <laughs> I don't even think that's hyperbole, guys. You can look up their background track records, and it seems pretty... Let's, let's not forget people like... um, God, I'm blanking her name. Brandy Vaughn and different people. I believe that was Merck and these different you know people that try to expose these things and end up mysteriously going dead. But either way, the approval process happened. So think about that overlap with the emergency authorization. Well, sure, they were screaming that we were all in an emergency and that's why it had to happen, but, but they're still doing it though now. Okay, well, if we're still in an emergency, or at least the justification enough to push EUA injections despite the ending of the emergency, why wouldn't you do it for this? Why would you take 
years to flush this out. Oh, because that's how it's supposed to be done. Well, okay then. Then why wasn't it done this way for COVID? Oh, because an emergency. But we're still in an emergency. Oh, and round and round we go. Logic doesn't, they don't like logic these days, but it says with the approval, GlaxoSmithKline is stepping into the golden age of vaccine development with tremendous opportunities, says the vice president and director of affairs for GlaxoSmithKline. The golden age of vaccine development? Did you know that? Apparently that that's something that they're thinking. Now, why would they think that? I can tell you why, because we are sprinting in the direction of mRNA platforms and nanotechnology, and the way that they're building these injections is very different. I, that's, this is very obvious. Well, there's no other reason we'd be in the golden age of vaccines, because everything else is the same as it's always been, for the most part. There's different changes, but they're generally based on traditional concepts. So let's be clear. They're basically saying, well, that was a little bit kind of saying the quiet part out loud, that from the vaccine maker's perspective, we're already in the golden age of vaccine development. Isn't that what Bill Gates also said before COVID, that this was going to be the time, and then he made a bunch of money on knowing that that was going to next day happen? Well, apparently so. It's because they have been pushing the mRNA platform universal vaccine discussion long before COVID-19. Now, you can argue that's maybe why, but either way, obvious that there's more going on than just we're doing this for your best interest. He says, now it'll be up to the company to turn its scientific know-how into actual vaccinations. RSV, he says, is under-recognized and underdiagnosed. says the person who benefits directly from selling these. So, he says, he's already started its awareness efforts. <laughs> Great. So now you're going to make an entire campaign about telling older people you probably have RSV. I wonder what that does. Scares them. And then they'll get the injection they don't need. Russell Smith-Klein plans to launch its vaccine ahead of the upcoming RSV season. Oh, so now we have a season. You know, the thing that's never really affected elderly people in the past suddenly has a season of its own. Yeah, pay attention. But the company could soon have competition as Pfizer's rival candidates, you know, the mRNA versions we've already talked about, are up for decision by the FDA this month. Well, how much do you want to bet those get approved or rather emergency authorized because those have not been going on for three or four years. Now, why would that make sense? Why would GlaxoSmithKline have something for years in development and then have these ones? And I'm not, I'm, I'm not knowing for sure. It might not happen. But when and if and when, remember that. That we need to point that out. Wait a minute. How, you, how do you have this done in three months? Oh, that's right. The mRNA platform genetic sequence. We don't need anything else. Got it. That's even what they'll tell you. No safety profile needed because we already know. No, you don't. You're proving you don't right now. Moderna's shot also passed its phase three study, but the company has yet to submit its program to regulators, right? These are rapidly done. We've already talked about this and they're pumping out mRNA stuff for all these things right now, including what they call their multivalent. For, H for HIV, for COVID, for flu, for RSV, it's all in the same thing. We've all talked about this already. GlaxoSmithKline isn't concerned about the competition. Why? They say, in fact, having another horse in the race would be fantastic and provide more options to patients. Or maybe because they're all sort of guiding in the same direction, and the point is to have something that comes out, kind of works, but then, you know, whatever, and then they come out with a new thing. Kind of the reverse with Johnson & Johnson and, and AstraZeneca when they desperate to make you think those were the dangerous ones. Remember that? And they're still trying. They're failing. I think that's probably why that happened. Because you can show that Johnson & Johnson and even, even AstraZeneca have overlaps with both Pfizer and Moderna. Now, in any case, we're back, we're back to the point that they're going to be pushing this. 
They approved this. World's first respiratory vaccine for adults. Today marks a turning point in our effort to reduce the significant burden of RSV. Of course, they frame it that way. Chief scientific officer, is there a significant burden of RSV? No, there's not. They want you to think so. RSV is a common contagious virus that can lead to potentially serious, but yeah, that's the point. So can the flu. So can anything. Could be, but a common thing is not something this should be done. This should be hyping and making awareness campaigns about. That's propaganda and sales tactics. To push something that I promise you is, pro- is well, my opinion, based on what they've already shown themselves to be, cutting corners, not tested properly, rushed out for the maximum profit. They claim it causes approximately 177,000 hospitalizations and an estimated 14,000 deaths in the U.S. in age, in adults aged 65 years and older. Well, does it, though? I'll make a point about that next. Or are we just conflating comorbidities and elderly issues with what you're telling us is RSV? Sort of like we've already seen. Now, we're fine. We're seeing these tactics are being broadened out. Whether that's because that's a larger coordinated plan or because other companies are like, I see what they're doing. I see how this works. Older adults, including those with underlying medical conditions, such as diabetes and chronic heart and lung disease, so people that are already suffering multiple comorbidities, are at increased risk are at increased risk of severe RSV illness and drive the majority of those hospitalizations. Okay, well, what about the fact that we already know that there's an overlap with the COVID injections and RSV, right? It's in their own documentation that the COVID injection can literally lead to an increased risk of RSV, but who cares about that? So you're giving all these elderly people injections, which then leads to something else you then use to justify the next thing in part, or they don't have it at all. These are all just possibilities I'm throwing out, but the reality is we've seen all of this take place with COVID-19. Now, it goes on to say from their own people, or excuse me, from the American Medical Group Association, he says, quote, for decades, that their association and the healthcare community at large have been active in finding ways to increase adult immunizations. Isn't it weird how to them that sounds like a a noble thing? But what they're really saying is, do do they need those vaccinations? So maybe they, they think everybody all the time ever does, but that's ridiculous. We've already proven that's dumb. Their point is that they're finding ways to pressure and increase people to get things they, in some cases, don't need. Why? Because vaccines are good. As a result, we are pleased that we can now add a respiratory uh, an RSV vaccine to their options. For decades, we've been trying to find ways to make people get more injections. Like, think about how that really sounds. The vaccine was generally well-tolerated with an acceptable safety profile. Hmm, that sounds good. Do you want a generally well-accepted, acceptable safety profile on your injection? Or would you like something that is no side effects that is safe? Like, the idea that somehow everything always has side that's not true. Is it, it, do, you, do you eat an apple and, and have side effects? No. Okay, well, I'm not saying an apple's a vaccine, but realize that there is a line where... Having all of these side effects is not just common practice. Having a sore arm is an indication that something is a little bit off, but that may be expected. They'll tell you, and maybe they're right. Maybe that's just part of the process. My point, I disagree overall. My point really is that there is not this acceptable point where they go, oh, well, you're going to be in bed shivering sick for a week. That's not how this is supposed to work. A generally well-tolerated means there are problems for some. And even the ones they list here, Pain on your arm, fatigue, headaches, are, I mean, all of these things. And it says they were generally mild to moderate and transient. That's exactly what they said about the COVID injection. 
All I'm saying is ask questions and realize that that we, we need a higher bar for these very obviously sociopathic people. A clinical trial that aims to expand the population who may benefit from RSC vaccination into adults aged 50 to 59. Oh, and then next next week, hey, 40, 40 to 49. We have a new study that says, oh, and eventually you're, hey, these kids, it's the same thing. We finally realize, you know, you know how this works. That's my opinion, obviously. And then look at this. The following is based on U.S. prescribing information for Orexavi, their drug. Please consult full prescribing prescribing information for all the labeled safety information. It says down here, immunocompromised persons, including those receiving immunosuppressive therapy, may have a diminished response to Orexavi. Okay, so it's interesting that those are the first people that you point, you get take it. Well, okay, so that means they have a diminished response of efficacy on top of whatever possible dangers and side effects there may be. Isn't it odd that they focus on the people that seem to have the least benefit and the highest risk? Isn't that the opposite of what we're talking about? Well, let's look at the actual... Oh, wait a minute. The CDC page is gone. I wonder why that is. Centers for CDC Prevention. RSV transmission assessed March 23rd. That was very recent. Well, let's look at, let's look at the, oh, it's gone. <laughs> I wonder why. Well, I don't worry. I have the way back machine. But isn't it a bit strange that the CDC's page for RSV is just not there? Uh, even though it was literally just as, 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 as updated March 23rd, 2023, I mean. I mean, you can see it right here. RSV about transmission. I can almost tell, I almost promise you why. I think it's because they're changing the profile of what this is it used to be and look, I, you can go back I, if you go back all the way to 2009 you it's exactly what you think not that con, not that dangerous children blah 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 right so what it's almost guaranteed going to become is whatever it's become because of what they've been giving people that's my opinion but i thought there was i think overall in here you can see you're just going to see that it over it, the, older people especially are at risk they argue even back here this is only April because they have other issues, right? So this idea that they're all at risk from this, it's none of this necessitates an injection. It's just amazing. They shouldn't be able to, they shouldn't be allowed to delete anything. Think about how weird it is and how obvious that they constantly get caught from, oops, our pages are gone. Oh, that major important page about how we were caught saying the one thing we don't want you to know it's gone now. Oops. They shouldn't be allowed to do that. This should be a living memory of what's been done, but we know why it happens. Well, here is the page for Orexvia, if that's how it's pronounced. So you can see the top. Right there, Orexvia. So, interesting that you'll find some similar things in here. Oh, and I, I'll, I'll read this first, and then I took screenshots of these so I wouldn't lose it. So here's pregnancy. Of course, I love how they always go, oh, pregnancies have risks, and some people die anyway. So you don't need to say all that. Like the idea of the why they put that in there is obviously to kind of set the table, so they can conflate anything that does happen with the fact that well people do die anyway or whatever. It just state the facts. But it says it is not approved for use in persons under sixty-five or sixty. Excuse me. I find that very odd, and you'll see why. Because apparently it's dangerous, outright dangerous for children. In clinical study that enrolled pregnant individuals who received an investigational unadjud uh, un adjuvanted RSV vaccine that contained the same 
antigen that they're using for this, it says an increase in preterm births was observed compared to pregnant individuals who received placebo. Okay, so just because you might assume that people under over 60 don't want to try and have a child doesn't mean they won't. Yeah, it's dangerous, I would argue, but that's their prerogative, isn't it? How about the fact that just because they maybe aren't going to, or maybe they can't, doesn't mean that whatever's happening in their body that causes preterm births is still happening in the elderly body. Like, just think about how kind of crazy that is. They're literally telling you, well, it, def- it had a direct effect on pregnancy, and we're going to give this to elderly people? It says in randomized controlled clinical trials that enrolled pregnant individuals, 3,557 received an investigational RSE vaccine that contained the same thing. And it says, uh, blah, 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 in the vaccine placebo groups, it says basically the preterm births were reported respectively. Well, the, the same point. I, I thought that was a new point. So it's saying that they had an increase in preterm births. Now, this isn't ground bombshell, but it's interesting to see that this is not. You know, I, I, my point will be that I promise you that none of this will be actually shown to anybody who's taken this. It'll all be like safe and effective. And that's their informed consent today. Well, lactation, it says it is not known whether this is excreted in, in human milk. Well, that likely isn't going to be a common problem for people over 60, but it can be. So you may be passing this on to other people. It is not approved for use in people under 60. No human or animal data were available to assess the effects of this on breastfed infants. The, the developmental health benefits of breastfeeding should be considered uh, here. Pediatric, pediatric use. This is interesting. It says evidence from an animal model strongly suggests that arexivy would be unsafe in individuals younger than two years of age because of an increased risk of enhanced respiratory disease. You get that? A risk of RSV. Or rather, well, I guess specifically an enhanced respiratory disease, which is kind of the same thing. So you're literally saying that children, for some reason, would take this thing and it increases their risk of getting a respiratory disease. But that doesn't translate to adults? How is that even possible? It must just be a lessened degree. Anyway, there's a lot I could go through on this, but I don't want to take too much time on it. Because I don't, I honestly don't think this is the most important thing. But my God, it seems every here. Here's deaths, for example, from vaccination through the first analysis of the ongoing study one, which it seems, by the way, there are still ongoing studies. Adverse events leading to death were reported for 49 participants. Point four percent. Doesn't that matter? Aren't we the ones screaming that point two the flu is point one point two and that's the like the barrier for conversation. But, well, point four then is that means you take this drug, you have a higher risk of death than if you got the flu. Times two almost, or pretty much. That's what it literally says right there. Deaths are reported for 0.4% of the people in this group. Now that doesn't always exactly translate, but that's how this is supposed to work. I just find that to be kind of staggering. Now, it says, basically, uh, based on the available information, there is no evidence of causal relationship to the drug. (laughs) Okay? You know why they do that? Because, well, they're old. Causes of death among participants were consistent with those generally reported in adult and elderly populations. I'll show it to you again in a second. So that that is most likely how they're playing this in elderly populations with all sorts of things. Isn't it funny how when it's the other way around, it's like, well, we shouldn't just assume they're going to die. We should give an injection just in case. But in this case... When you have an issue, when you can see a higher level of death, well, they're going, well, they're dead, they're old, so, well, that's the same thing to do after the injection. 
Well, you know, they were going to die anyway. It's funny how it only works on one side of the argument. And maybe they're right. Maybe it's just because they're old. But you can't just dismiss that because you don't think there's a relationship. Shouldn't you have to prove that? Too late. Already proved. Here it says, unsolicited adverse events. In all participants from study one, unsolicited adverse events were monitored using paper diary cards during the 30-day period following the injection. Isn't that funny? 30 days. They don't box out 15 days. Why don't they do that? Isn't that how that works? Aren't you supposed to say, well, anything that happens in the first 15 days doesn't count. Weird that's unique to COVID-19, isn't it? I'm sure it'll pop its head up again, but it's weird how it doesn't happen with all of them. All that shows you is that it's ridiculous. But it goes forward to say, day of vaccination in the next 29 days. So it says, among participants in the solicited safety set, 879, or placebo, and 878 had adverse events occurring within 30 days. So just because, and I think this is another way to look at it, you have a bunch of elderly people who end up having some kind of problem in the time frame after injection, alongside people who actually have an adverse event with the injection, it makes the numbers look benign, right? So as it says, it says, unsolicited adverse events occurring within 30 days after vaccination were reported in 14.9 of people who received the injection and 14.6 in people who received the placebo. So first of all, you have a higher number. It's a small difference, but it's interesting how that works, right? I kind of think 14% of the grouping getting any kind of problem seems like something we should flesh out, right? 14%. But what's crazy to me is that you can combat it with another 14% and act like it all washes away. No, it doesn't. You've got elderly people who are having problems and you also people with serious adverse events. You don't just wash away that by the fact that you have old people. Again, same point. They're just playing it how they want when they want to. And this is this is a smaller thing compared to the obviously murderous thing they're giving with the injection and COVID, but it's still important, isn't it? I'm just over, overall pointing out the same illusions in smaller ways that get played with everything, it seems. Now it says, in the exposed set, 24,966 participants 60 years of age or older received at least one dose of Orexavi. So apparently there's more than one dose we're talking about. I don't know why that's still a thing too. Like More money, I would argue. But it says... 12,467 placebo, 12,499. Oh, no, uh, the other way around. 12,467 got the injection. 12,499 got the placebo. Unsolicited adverse events occurring within 30 days of vaccination were reported in 33% and 17.8% of participants, respectively. 33% is the injection, guys. So it's interesting how they can over here go, oh, well, 14 and 14 of their paper cards, and it was all, you know, it washes away. Well, what about that then? That's a little bit of a caveat or a little bit of an asterisk there, isn't it? So people who got the injection had 33%, 33% recorded adverse events. 17% of the placebo recorded adverse events. The higher frequency of the reported side of the injection, they argue, compared to the placebos, was primarily attributed to events that are consistent with adverse reactions solicited among participants in the subset. Okay. So just because it seems common, does that mean that it's not important to point out that it's obvious that there is a heightened... Well, they don't care. 
because all they do is go, well, RSV is going to more risky. So we, it weighs out and benefits outweigh the risk. That whole game is only supposed to be applied in something like emergency authorization. But, you know, we're in a new ter- a new world today, apparently, where they just get to lie and shift. And, well, it seems they've always been doing that, but now we're aware of it. It says within 30 days after vaccination, again, the point about showing you that the whole 15 to 21 day lie is just one of the most, one of the biggest scams of the entire thing. But it says arterial fibrillation was reported in 10 participants who received the injection and four who received placebo. So apparently you got more than double the risk of arterial fibrillation, fibrillation. And it says, of which seven events of the injection arm and one in placebo were serious. Seven of ten were serious, whereas one of four weren't in the placebo. There's an obvious shift for danger here. For an for a pretty serious problem. The onset of symptoms range from one to 30 days. So you see telling you that it can happen within one day or 30 days or even further. The currently available information on this is insufficient to determine whether it's related to the vaccine. How much you want to bet it stays that way forever. As long as we say we don't know for sure, we'll keep giving it to people because that makes sense, right? Serious adverse events. In study one, participants were monitored for all serious adverse events that occurred during a six-month period. Just again, showing you that it's very clear how they played the game with time. Now, last point on this before we finish with a couple points. Sarah Jane points this out, and I've made this clear before. She says, I cannot believe how many shots kids get these days. This is not normal. It's really not. It's actually criminal. Prior to 50 years ago, kids got no vaccines. This is a huge experiment on the population, and nobody knows what they're actually doing to us. But look around you. Do people look well? Cancer just, I don't know if she means like cancer just appeared, but, you know, the point is that, I don't maybe she means in general, I don't know. But overall, I think it's pretty obvious. People are struggling just looking at the COVID-19 discussion. But you can see this unbelievable shift. I mean, just look at these doses. I mean, you go to 1965. And the point here is that they they never, a lot of these weren't tested. I, none of these even today are tested alongside each other. How was that even possible? It even went down. So they, there was less given. 1965, 1983 went less. Then, of course, the Act of 1986 was passed. Gave it, giving them no, they had no liability. The vaccine makers got no liability. And then what do you know? It exploded. And over here, by the way, they didn't give anything before two months. Now they're giving it to them while it's in the pregnant, in the, in the belly of the mother. Some at birth. And then just two months, two months, two months, two months, four months, four months. My point is they don't, these ones at two months, they give them all at the same time and they do not test them alongside each other. And especially when we're talking about things like the uh, MMR vaccine, which, by the way, is also not tested alongside each other, despite having three things in it as one. It's just sad. And the point down here I made before with this graph showing you this rise in autism is that right about here is where that act was passed. I argue this increase was kind of an ebb and flow of just history. And now, boom, we see the perfect and correlation with that. I mean, it's just, there's not much more you need to see to understand there's something wrong. I always do that. Okay, well, let's just talking about other ways that people are being manipulated. And I do very clearly believe that the climate change push is going to play a factor in not just green conversations, but the viral pandemic convert. They keep telling us that 
pandemics are worse because climate change barely even logically connects. That's ridiculous to me. Oh, there's a hurricane. Make sure you get your shots. It's like, this is ridiculous. But I want people to understand, especially those that may not know this, that there is a lot of, and I don't think there's only one example of a of real expert here. Actually, no, I think this guy is a, no, no, so the point is this guy knows what he's talking about, but he's he's not necessarily expert, I would argue, by like a scientist definition. But either way, here's what I'll show you next. A lot of very intelligent people who have done their research, who have degrees and, and, and credentials in this field will tell you that you're being misled about CO2, about the entire thing. At the very least, if we know that there's a huge split right down the middle about what's going on, it's not what they want you to think. Nine out of 10 scientists agree. That's not true. It's just like with COVID. They just disregard the ones that say otherwise. As far as I can tell, there's more people saying that we're being lied to than not. Just like otherwise. Maybe I'm wrong on that. But either way, if we know that there is high-level people, experts, politicians who are saying that's not true, just like with 5G, shouldn't we wait and have a conversation? Well, no, because they frame the other side as irrational and dangerous and anti-conspiracy there. Okay, well, then you don't want to have a conversation. That's not engaged debate. That's not informed consent. Well, we know this, though. Because if they had that, none of this would be allowed to happen and their agenda would fail. So here is what, a, as, it, as it's titled, a smart man asked a panelist, the panelists involved with the climate change discussion, a simple question. And what happens next, it says it's unbelievable. And it's just, it's kind of embarrassing. Watch for yourself. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Panelists, let me just go right down the line real fast. What percent of our atmosphere is CO2? Take your best guess. You don't have to be accurate. All down the line. Repeat that question. What percent of our atmosphere is CO2, carbon dioxide? Wild guess. It's okay. I'll bite 5%. 5 I mean, the fact that they don't know, first of all, in this, like, if you're, if you're literally, if the basis of your argument is that there's too much CO2 and then we need to reduce the greenhouse gases because we're all going to die and you literally don't even know this number, Apparently, and as we should all know by now, all you're really doing is following along with the crowd. Right? How do we know it's Omicron? Well, the CDC told us, you dumb. Well, no, that means you don't know either. That means you're blindly trusting what they told you. Well, yes, KGP, that's exactly what you're all doing is blindly following authority because that's what you were trained to do and you don't care anymore. I'll just follow you then. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll just, uh, that's my favorite number. I'll see there five and um, suggest that we know that transportation causes 49% of CO2. So that's why we're all working on okay. energy transition. All right. So what number do you think it is? Eh, five. Five. How about you? I didn't hear you, Mr. Oh, Dreher. Seven. Seven. Did you have one, uh, Mr. Boyd? So we got a five, seven. Uh, price is right. Eight. I'm going to get the high end. All right. Well, I, I appreciate that, and I don't mean to I put you on ice. I ask a lot of people that because all we hear is climate change, climate change, CO2, CO2. I heard a couple of you on the panel saying you're looking to change your vehicles to electric, even though we don't have the electric grid. And me as a farmer, I wouldn't be real happy about running out and replacing $300,000, $500,000, million-dollar pieces of equipment because someone wants it to be electric. The answer is 0.04%, not 1%, not a half of a percent. It's 0.04%, and it's gone up from 0.03 over the last couple decades. 
kind of about about the same risk of you know dying from COVID, you know, give or take. <laughs> this is what we're being all contorted into doing: is this tiny change in CO two. If we go, if- I should clarify for for people under nineteen at the very least, and that's that's a real number, by the way. But I think it's point zero 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 three under nineteen, and then I think it was point zero seven. Yeah, so it's pretty close, actually. <laughs> Not a joke. That's peer-reviewed science. If we get below 0.02, plant life starts dying off. So that's the main point right there. As a farmer, I wouldn't be real happy if everyone wants it to be electric. The answer is 0.04%. Not 1%, not a half of a percent. It's 0.04%. And it's gone up from 0.03 over the last couple decades. This is what we're being all contorted into doing is this tiny change in CO2. If we go, if we get below 0.02, plant life starts dying off. Right. That's not debatable, guys. <laughs> you need CO2 for life on this planet. I, I mean, the, the idea that we're somehow arguing that this is something that needs to be removed. I mean, look, I could be wrong. I'm, I'm not a scientist, but I think there's plenty of evidence and plenty of high level people and other. I mean, I, I'm talking like experts that are even better credentialed than the ones parroting all the things you're hearing on the news who tell you that this is completely wrong. I just can't believe we're not like, you're not even allowed to bring that up because you get attacked. You're a conspiracy theorist. Well, here is another expert. Stunning scientific climate change hoax. Truth bomb says studies of ice core samples indicate that the year 1000 AD was actually 1.5 degrees warmer than now. No cars back then. Here's what it says. This ice is from the Viking Age, around the year 1000, also called the medieval warm period. We believe that in Greenland, the medieval warm period was about one and a half degrees warmer on average than, than today. Now, now, obviously, the point that makes he could be wrong, right? As always, he could be anything, lying, wrong, whatever, all the things we always say. But it's funny how it only gets applied to one side of the argument, right? It's not possible they could be wrong on the other side because they all agree, even though it's not really true. The point is that regardless of that, you should consider what he's saying because this, he's studying this and it's their assessment that that's the case. Nordgrip, the Greenland ice core project, has been reopened to drill the last few meters through the ice sheet to the rock beneath the research station. The ice core, over three kilometers in length, has been hauled up to the surface piece by piece and contains important data on the history of the climate of the Earth. Well, in the interest of time, just since I, I got it rolling here, I'm about to wrap up. But the, the bottom line is what you just heard, right? So you heard him say it right in the beginning. So the point is, if they believe it was actually warmer, like, how does that work out? How does that make sense? Well, based on the argument that's disputed. So, so I saw it first with Sophia Dahl here. She's saying, break in the European Union has given the Dutch government the green light to buy out 3,000 Dutch farmers offering them 120% of their market value, incentivizing them to sell voluntarily. Now, you could argue that some, maybe they want the money, but the bottom line is why in a moment when you know that there is food scarcity when created, food supply chain breaking down, that you want to stop people from making, oh, because climate change. Right, so we're worried about people's lives, so we want to stop the thing they need to survive, food. I highly doubt that's the logic. The point is, in my opinion, more control. A centralized food source. That's what we're talking about. And I find it really hard to see that with what's been going on. Now, here is Breitbart. EU backs Dutch scheme to forcibly shut down thousands of farms. How is that possibly happening right now? When you know that, even like again, 
taking at face value there, what I think is a lie that CO2 is the problem here. Their argument, that's the case, right? So why are they then focusing on the small organic farmers? There's obvious proof that the higher level corporations produce more. Does that make sense? Why don't we ask that question? Oh, because they they do this and they do that and ESG and they're playing the game. Okay, so we're allowed to do it as long as we buy things. How does that make sense? So you don't really care about solving? This is like the carbon credit concept. All that allows is rich people to keep doing what they're doing, which are the biggest polluters, and allow you to, have to not be able to pay for it and drive less. So what happens is the big polluters keep polluting and the problem doesn't go away, but they make money by acting like they're solved. It's obviously a scam. Banning farmers from returning to agriculture forever. I just think this is mind-blowing. We must know this is wrong from every level. Now, here is Peter Sweden. I believe this is him speaking with a kid on the bus in the Netherlands. A local farmer, which I think is interesting. Getting a real personal on-the-ground touch from one of these kids. His families are farmers in the area. Here's what he has to say. Government wants to basically take... 70% of the farmers they yeah. want to take away, yeah. but yeah, we don't like that plan because it's our job, uh, we make our money with it yeah. and also for the people in the Netherlands they have food and that food is going away. How is it, because a lot of the farms have been like in generations, you're a young farmer, yeah. so I guess uh, your family parents, company. it comes from your family I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's also bad for the company. Yeah. So the company stops at our ge- of uh, the past generation. Yeah. And yeah, it's not good. Yeah. And it's all in the name of reducing the climate emissions, yeah, basically. They say. They say. They- hmm. There it is, Peter Sweden, Substack. You know, I mean, of course, it's just one kid's perspective, right? But you know, think about the idea that, like, how does this make sense? Like, what, what doesn't? Don't their lives matter? Right. So so they just, you know, we're, we're arguing. It's just like the bigger arguments they make in everywhere. Oh, well, we got to take it on the chin because Putin, bad guy, right? Pay four thousand dollars a month for your out for electricity because we claim Putin's doing something, even though that's completely not true. Well, why does that even make sense, though? Why? So are, are do we or not? We do we or do we not live in a representative government? <laughs> I think we should be all be aware now that we actually don't. But they want you to think that. And then they do something that proves you don't. Oh, so we don't actually all decide. You guys tell us and we do what we're supposed to. Come on. So the idea is that these people are going, well, you don't have a livelihood anymore. Oh, learn to code. <laughs> oh, you'll get censored when you say it at the wrong time. The point is that they are putting people down when this is their livelihood. It's what they know. Under a guise that that's going to save the planet. I mean, just think about how stupid that sounds. Green farming is the plan. I mean, my God. Now, a point on the idea of just the absurdity of corporate media today, right? As they're all pushing this idea, they're pushing everything. One of the discussions we've seen is the artificial intelligence debate, which seems completely artificial, not no pun intended to me. Uh, some people say we want it. Some people say it'll kill us. And it's just this ridiculous back and forth, which I believe doesn't have any effect on the fact that they're all sprinting forward right now anyway. So they want us focusing on, look, they're talking about it. They care because they're giving us both sides Well, there's more than two sides, as always. But the point is, while they're giving you the false debate between people that I argue all probably actually support it, it's already happening. It's rushing forward. It's already being implemented while they pretend they're deciding. That's how this works. My point, though, is AI overlaps, obviously, with the direction of what they're doing with the climate change narrative. But on top of that, just the absurdity of how the corporate media frames this stuff. Well, first of all, here we already talked about the godfather of AI. 
It says he's concerned, and even CNN put emerging technology could kill humans. Because that's what they talked about, the dangers of AI. And I want to point out again how embarrassing it was that The Guardian went this route. Godfather of AI quits Google and warns of dangerous misinformation. Oh, is that what he said? He's worried you're going to spread fake news about vaccines. No, he's talking about the deadly aspect of AI. But The Guardian is just too blinded by their agenda to not point that out. Apparently, think of this is just pathetic, guys. The corporate media is pathetic. And even this conversation, the way that they're framing this, it's just they're dead. They are a dying concept and they know that now. And it's just really hard to watch. It's like watching a slow motion car wreck. But in any case, they're still pushing this concept. And I want us to again renew the discussion of the cyber pandemic, the cyber polygon. Both terms have been used by Klaus Schwab himself, Biden even. Now ask yourself, what does a cyber pandemic even mean? Well, it's obvious they want you thinking, okay, pandemic virus, and that's where your minds are at today. Oh, but a cyber pandemic. Well, okay, well, maybe it means more specifically what it actually sounds like, that there's actually some sort of overlap to what we're dealing with, some sort of cyber attack that causes the release of a pathogen. Like, I've worried about that because of examples that make me think that's very possible, or rather that they would frame it that way. Well, I want to include this. This came out today. A catastrophic mutating event, again, mutating event there's a very deliberate choice of words will strike the world in two years says report says very specific isn't it i just think this is so ridiculous the way that they do this stuff but guess what it's a world economic forum report who knows a catastrophic cyber event that's because they keep telling us that's going to happen weird the point is that all of them where is it down here? Oh, 93% of cyber leaders, 96% of these ones. Well, as always, the leaders they talk about are the ones that they support. Probably a whole bunch of leaders in the world that don't think that. They just don't aren't at the World Economic Forum meeting, and so they're not part of the leaders of that group. It's always an illusion. But they believe that the geopolitical instability makes a catastrophic event likely in two years. Why two years? Why just an arbitrary number? Wouldn't you just say likely in, in the future, in the coming years? Or like It's a weird thing to do. Okay, well, then where's the word mutating come from? Right? I mean, apparently, I thought it was in there twice. Right. Let's imagine an exponential multitude of viruses that mutate every day, exponentially, while not threatening our body. But the bodies we live in our organizations, our countries, our system, then, you know, it could be just apocalypse. Oh, okay, I don't even know how that, that sentence makes sense. It's about viruses that can not only block our way of living, but can control it and deviate it. That, that's just a clumsy analogy. Like, it doesn't even actually connect. So a cyber pandemic, which can, I guess, affect our daily lives through cyber manipulation, through shutting down systems and so on. Like, it's just, it's clearly forced. The point is, is it obvious that they want to overlap the conversations? Now, maybe that's because they think you're scared of the viral comp component and they're just going to segue into the next thing. Climate change, lockdown, cyber pandemic. I don't know. But something tells me there's more to it. I just think it's interesting. We just saw another cyber attack at one of these places and I pointed out again. Let's not forget that Klaus Schwab is telling you the cyber pandemic is coming. And let's also not forget that they're all telling you that there's another pandemic coming. Maybe they mean a different kind of pandemic.
Maybe not. But lastly, you know, for those of us out there doing what I'm doing right now, and those of you in the chat that are doing the same thing, and, you know, doing your best to be objective and point out what you can see with, you know, peer-reviewed science or what they would call fake news, Glenn Greenwald just points out that not only has the U.S. government made an, a seemingly an endless amount of these disinformation groups that we don't even number or know anymore, that they've now decided to make an overseer group to manage all of the disinformation combatters. That's a real thing. Now, this is a very important point that he actually kind of points at in regard to Nina Jankowitz. Right? This is how a game is played. Always. I mean, this is one of the most common factors of the way this goes. They will come out with something in a overzealous way so that you can go, whoa, and they pull it back. And then they either come out with it publicly again in a far a lower way, go, see, we heard you when that was always the intended point. Or like this case, they just do it without you seeing it. So you go on thinking, oh, we stopped it. Gina went down and there's no disinformation group anymore. Well, yeah, there is. There's a lot of them now. So her clownish display was meant to make us think that it wasn't happening. That's my opinion. He writes, the U.S. government now has so many agencies and units that are designated to identify and combat what they call disinformation. Most of us should now be aware that it's mostly things that we can prove that it has just created a new disinformation agency to oversee all the others. Like, think about how completely unaccountable this is. Like, we think we know all this, you know, CIA and NSA. Do you know how many? Like, most people don't even know, like, the DNI or these different groups that are very clearly public. But there are so many intelligence agencies that we don't even know about. That's your government right there. And on top of this, we now have disinformation agencies. So many that we don't know about that they need an overseer to make sure that they all, what, censor the right way? The creation of this new anti-disinformation industry funded by both Western intel agencies and neoliberal billionaires and, you know, Israel specifically, is a massive fraud and system, systemic hoax. This is a BS term, a fake expertise that has no purpose except to control debates and justify censorship. I completely agree. He says anyone bestowing upon themselves the term disinformation expert should be assumed to be a fraud almost certainly to operate the to, an operative to disseminate disinformation, not to combat it. We devoted our entire system update episode last night to the fraud of the disinformation industry. After 2016, the U.S. and the West decided a free Internet was no longer tolerable. Disinformation is their key weapon of control. Completely agree. Now, he points out one of these disinformation offices now under the auspices of DNI is the Influence of Perception Management Office. Think about how crazy that is. The Influence and Perception Management Office. So that, that, there's not even the implication that it's about truth. It's just how they want you to perceive things. That's always what this is about. As was pointed out at the time, Nina Jankowitz was too much of a cartoon to work, but the effort itself never went away. My point is I bet you that was deliberate. You take this woman who is, you know, she had that weird Disney song with the COVID thing. And it was like, it was very front and center. She was very flamboyant and very in your face. And it was, it seemed, it seemed almost obvious that people were going to push back on it. And obviously they did. And it seems like that buried the conversation. Very interesting. Here are other examples. We already talked about Ireland. There's multiple levels of this disinformation, censorship. It's, it's rapidly rolling out right now on the internet and elsewhere. 
This here's Ireland. Now, the, these are people speaking out against it. He writes, freedom of speech is ultimately what guarantees freedom of thought. Now, think about that in the context of what's going on on Twitter. They're the same thing. They are one in the same. You can't have one without the other. And he says, and is an essential reality in the seeking of truth. Misinformation may, may occlude truth and make it hard to identify and thus require antidotes, but placing limitations on freedom of speech by means of this hate bill has the power to bury truth altogether. Now, you could, I, I don't disagree with, I, like, I mean, I do disagree with the idea of, like, free speech is absolute, put it that way. This is the only stance you can take on this if you actually care about free speech. You do not care about free speech if you don't defend the worst of the speech, and that means the worst of the speech. Speech is not a crime. End of conversation. That We used to all re- remember that. We used to all argue that. We used to remember the Constitution. The hate speech elements of the hate bill do not take full cognizance of the importance of free expression. They don't care about that, in fact. I believe it will help cre- create a climate whereby people will be curtailed into their speech and democratic actions and in the public expression of their views. We already see that happening. People are terrified to say what they think because they will not be they will not be told the limits imposed by an imprecise law that doesn't even define what it means by hate. Think about the clownish nature of that. You're not even defining what the word hate means and yet you're going to call people you're going to def- you're going to accuse people of hate speech this whole game where i know it when i see it despite that actually being a court ruling is ridiculous that is somebody who believed their perception was most important well a lot of people in power back then did judges and politicians alike still do they believe they're better than you because they're they think their education and all this and you know plenty of people are also educated but they just believe they're better because of their standing their clout and so on the point is i know when i see it is nothing that should be standing today. The bottom line is speech is not a crime. It's protected by the Constitution and inherent rights. But listen to what he said in Ireland. Speech is ultimately what guarantees freedom of thought, and it's an essential reality in the seeking of truth. And misinformation may occlude truth and make it hard to identify and thus require antidotes. That is true. But placing limitations on freedom of speech by means of a hate bill has the power to bury truth altogether. The hate speech elements of the hate bill do not take... Know, that's funny. I thought, he, I thought he... He's basically what I just read to you, by the way. I, I swore it was more than that. You know what it was? I think this wasn't expanded when I first had it, and I thought it was less. But in any case, let's... Let me see if it's more Peterson and as well known as Elon Musk commenting oh, yeah. on okay. our hate section of our about. criminal law, coupled with a new definition of gender, which has never been discussed in these precise law that doesn't even define what it means by hate. And currently we have oh, the yeah. Gardaí describing hate related incidents as any non crime incident, which is perceived by any person in whole or in part to be motivated by hostility or prejudice. Think about how ridiculous that is. So complete subjective opinions based on suppressed uh, you know oppressed people in the minds of the government assuming they care enough to do anything about it because the government decides but the point is that they're saying if anybody perceives what you did as motivated by hate then you're going to be charged with a crime so are you telling me that can't be abused so suddenly somebody just hates you because you don't agree with them so they just claim that you felt it when you did it out of hate like we anybody who is honest, can see that this is dishonest from its core. And that doesn't mean that we should 
think hate is okay, but you cannot criminalize speech. We already see where this is going, and that's the plan to criminalize any speech they don't like. Based on actual or perceived age, disability, etc. Is this the future direction of our criminal law, coupled with a new definition of gender which has never been discussed in these houses? Who oh knows God. where this bill can lead in terms of the natural and wrongful, sorry, the wrongful suppression of people's natural right to engage in the exchange of ideas. And we have this strange situation in Ireland where this hate bill is the talk of the international town square with people like Jordan Peterson and as well known as Elon Musk commenting on our hate legislation. But there hasn't been a word about it hardly in our own media. And this silencing is envisaged by the bill seems to be what's going on already. So I think it's crazy that they're barely even speaking about it in the chamber, but apparently it's, you know, everybody's talking about it around the world, but they barely even talked about it inside the political chamber. Like it shows you that this is not going to even the proper channels. What I say to you, in case you're wondering what I'm talking about, I say backsliding indeed. That's my point. We need to look at the motion in our own eye. And watch when it comes up to this next part where the guy he's speaking to with his smug look on his face is just like, you know, whether he believes that he's right and this guy's wrong or does and knows that it doesn't matter. It, look at the guy's face when it comes to it. Just as much as we point to other countries about their falling back on human rights, because in the end, democracy must be more than an imposition of cultural power. In 2013, the UN High Commissioner for Human Rights gave a defense of freedom of expression. And I will finish with this pointing to the realization of that right, enabling vibrant, multifaceted public interest debate, giving voice to different perspectives and viewpoints. Let us learn how to do that again, because this dimension of our democratic tradition right. is wilting away because we seem to have forgotten that what fundamental human rights are, and they are fundamental, and they involve respect for other people's points oh, of view. Thank you. There was a part where he looked at him and he looked back. There it is. I missed it. I was looking on the other page. But there hasn't been a word about it hardly in our own media. And this okay. silencing. Half smiling. You can just see it on his face. Envisaged I'm, not, I'm not wrong. And like, this silencing. It's, he's got a little bit of a smile. You know, it's just because he's the one he's, you know, kind of arguing against. It just shows you, like, I have a sneaking suspicion here, guys. I mean, first of all, before I go away from it, look at how everything he's saying is logical. That we should have, we should respect other people's opinions. That we should have debate. And they're like, you, you stupid idiot, you, you, uh, you know, unwoke bigot. <laughs> like, and just think about how the, the what used to be logic and respect is now framed as hate. It's crazy to me. But my point is, I genuinely think I have a sneaking suspicion that a lot of the people behind this movement, a lot, mo largely probably the people that actually stupidly buy it and are also being played by the larger people that don't care about it, they secretly pretend that like democracy doesn't matter anymore like first of all yeah you know my opinions of the idea of democracy of the idea of mob rule and so on but even like my point is the framing of what we pretend everybody thinks that democracy and freedom and all that even that right now is there are people pushing this that believe that you know the constitution should be thrown away that we should not about you know rights and all of that we need to force people to think what we think is right because that's the only way and we're going to force people not to eat meat and Right. So you got this underlying movement of people that genuinely just beneath the surface, protect, they don't believe in all these foundational things, whether or not they should. It's not the point. But my point is what's interesting that they know that if they came out and said that, that they would get pushed back from most everybody. So they go along to get along. Right. We believe in this and freedom and freedom of speech and blah, blah, blah. But secretly they're going, we can't wait to get rid of all of this. People and politicians alike. 
And I don't think all of it is surreptitious. I think some of these people like that smug idiot looking at the guy, that's my opinion, they're the kind of people that are being played also, but they think they're right. They think they're so smug or they are smug and they're sitting there thinking you're wrong and this is how the new world's going to go. And we're going to find it. One day we're going to, you know, very soon going to force this down your throat. And then I can come out and say, I never care about free speech anymore because you're all wrong and those are archaic ideas. I think people actually believe that. It explains a lot. Now, this is Keith Woods pointing out. Here's your liberal democracy. So 73% of respondents to the government's consultation on this hate speech law he was just talking about in Ireland were opposed. 73% follows a poll earlier this year that found only 19% even wanted hate speech laws. Now, despite that, in this democracy, 90% of elected politicians voted for it. What does that show you? Just like in this country, they don't care what you think. They love to pretend they care what you think when it matters to them, when they want to get elected. But at the end of the day, if most of the country doesn't want this, they do it anyway. What they're telling you is, one, we don't care what you think. We never did. But we know what's best for you. Even if they don't think that and they're just doing it for their own benefit, the point of the message is this is the right thing and you're too dumb to understand. So we're going to do it anyway. That's how they sell it. If they really had to as the right thing, but you don't understand. So like moral bio enhancement, you know, if we really had to force nanotechnology into human beings, we would do it without telling them because they're too dumb to get it. That's a real study we've talked about. My point is that this shows you that we don't live in the world we think we do. This applies in everything we talk about. It's like the lockdowns and everything else. Most people don't want this and they're still doing it. The illusion that these people actually care or represent you is an illusion. Michael Schellenberger points it out too. 70% of people who participated in the public consultation rejected the government's proposal to criminalize speech. Why then is the government still demanding a crackdown? Because it's not about what the people want. They don't represent the people. There's something bigger going on. Now, to end, a really great and alarming tweet from Space Jelly. So she's already written for, for the T-Lab Substack. Make sure you check out her great work. Is that, I mean, if you need a better example of how authoritarian, how seriously tyrannical all this is getting, kind of like secret police level, take note of how Every agency, even the ones we don't know about, are seemingly armed to the teeth. The, po- the post office now has armed individuals, right? Well, guess what? So does the FDA. Apparently, the FDA shares in the monopoly on violence. And she jokingly says, knock, knock, hello, open up. You're under arrest for taking your Tylenol on an empty stomach. I mean, think about how dumb this is. The, F- the Federal Drug Administration. Well, guess what? The FDA OCI special agents. Special agents in action during their quarterly field day training where they had refreshers and safety, first aid, and weapons training. They're shooting shotguns. It says police on their shirt. Learn more. How ORA's special agents conduct criminal investigations to protect public health. That's where we are. We are in the biosecurity state, ladies and gentlemen. The terrorist state and the the security state of the past is in the past. Now, they're still going to use it. It's still used every day, but the biosecurity state is where we are in the fast track to, and we're, we're there. So welcome to the armed FDA who is going to investigate public health issues or anything else, or eventually when it seems to become all the same thing.
probably where we are right now. Now, this is not meant to lead you in a direction of hopelessness. This is just their dying, the dying actions of a desperate empire. We need to begin to see that. Now, that does not have to be an overlap about the this the, the this country is you. This country are the people listening, the people out there in the chat, the people are the country. The government are simply representatives of the people. The government is not the country. These people with guns are not the country. They're part of the country, but you as the people, that is the country. So when they start framing their actions as the actions of the country, that is the illusion. The government is supposed to be working on your behalf, not the other way around. So when we see them taking up arms against the people they're supposed to be working for in ways that are seemingly and not, are provably wildly unjust and unjust and justified, then we need to realize that this is an act of somebody, a group, an entity that is scared, that believes they need more force to stop you from doing what you're doing, from seeing what you're seeing. A lot of people push back on this idea. You know, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't really see the usefulness of believing that we're all lows, that we're going to lose and they're already too strong and we're all going to die. So why do anything? There's a lot of people like that. Some part of me tells me thinks part of me thinks it's not real that there's people out there that are constantly trying to get everyone. Oh, we're all going to lose. Don't even try. It doesn't even matter. Everyone's lost. No one's waking up. Blah, blah, blah. That's not true. In fact, I feel quite strongly that it's quite the opposite. Yeah, I say it every day. My point though, recognize that at the very least there's endless examples of right now how you are making more difference than you ever have all of us are we are reaching more people we are talking about more things as i've said many times and we've talked about on slow news day or on, on uh, am wake up we are setting the tone we are talking about things that they are forced to address that never used to be the case that scares the hell out of them Finally, Shannon Militia points out, football, beer, and above all, gambling filled up the horizon of their minds. To keep them in control was not difficult. George Orwell, 1984. It's a quote from the book. Now, I followed up, pointing out, let me see if she, if she responded. Nope. Okay, so it says, you left out one of the most irrelevant to today. Petty quarrels with neighbors. Heavy physical work, the care of home and children, petty quarrels with neighbors, films, football, beer, and above all, gambling, filled up the horizon of their minds. Quarrels with neighbors. I am very convinced. Like That is the leading issue for me. If they keep us divided, the two-party illusion, if they keep us focusing on each other instead of them, we will never actually break free from this we have to see that by now i really hope that resonates with people because i've always seen the two-party illusion as the biggest hindrance to actually breaking through we are breaking through but if we always fall short of seeing past that illusion somebody will always step back up and take us in the wrong direction maybe you took a carlson maybe somebody else i don't know that i'm not assuming but i'm skeptical like we all should be about anybody that comes from the inside it was still on contract with Fox, even though that wasn't released information while we were doing interviews critical of Fox. Something seems wrong. But ask questions. Realize that you are leading the charge. Thank you for being here today. Please continue to spread the information and wake people up. 
I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. What if the experts are wrong? What if quarantining the healthy doesn't actually save lives? What if wearing a mask in public is not effective? If you do not have a mask, you cannot ride public transportation, sir. My name is Dr. Jeff Barkey, and I'm here representing thousands of physicians across the country whose voices are being silenced because we don't agree with the mainstream media and the experts who are telling us what to do. Everything I've seen in the last nine days, all the things that just don't make sense, the patients I'm seeing in front of me, the lungs I'm trying to improve, have led me to believe that COVID-19 is not this disease and that we are operating under a medical paradigm that is untrue. Never in the history of this great republic have we quarantined the healthy. Never in the history of this great republic have we told churchgoers that it's illegal for you to exercise your First Amendment right of freedom of religion. Never in the history of this country have we been told that you can't go to church because it's not essential, but you can go get an abortion because that's essential. Never before in our country have we let criminals out of jail, but we've told you you can't exercise your Second Amendment right and protect yourself by purchasing a firearm. When liquor stores are deemed essential, but your businesses are deemed non-essential, there's something wrong going on. We cut off people's utilities this week and made them pay what could have been their last check to us to turn their lights on in a global health pandemic. But you don't care about that. You didn't want to meet. This booklet, the Declaration of Independence and our U.S. Constitution, was never designed to restrain the people. It was designed to restrain the government. We're realizing that the fatality rate of this virus is in the ballpark of a bad seasonal influenza. Do not let your voices be silenced. We will see eventually that this government-imposed cure is going to be worse than the virus itself. But what's happening now is unemployment reaches 20 to 30 million people is those folks are now becoming dependent on the government. And what government dependency causes is a larger, more tyrannical government.
We the people want to put our government back in its place. We want a small representative government, not a large tyrannical government. I'm here representing thousands of physicians around the country whose voices must be heard. We've never seen where we quarantine the healthy, where you take those without disease and without symptoms and lock them in your home. So you guys are asking me to leave the store for not wearing a mask when I have a medical condition, even though yours is pulled under your nose. A note that says I don't have to bring a note, and yours isn't even on. Just do whatever you want to do. It's America, right? Listen, I cannot wear a mask. Get out. Do not let your voices be silenced.